that? Am I coming through clear? Yeah. Because I'm very comfortable. Okay, you're going to actually podcast from a bed, aren't you? I don't know. Maybe. I mean, I, Am I'm I coming not, through clear? I'm, you're coming through just fine. All right. Now what we got to do is we got to do a bunch of, like, no, John, we need to show you this link. We got to do a bunch of that, get him out of bed. <laughs> I'd be rolling Ah, uh, Okay. Bedcast. Bedcast, that's another podcast we do. It's a slightly different in topical nature. Um, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll, we're doing episode 69 next week. Is it a sex podcast? <laughs> oh, that's probably the joke I was going for, John. Okay, gotcha. You caught on. What is a, Good job. Wait, what is a, what is a sex podcast? Mm. Oh, jeez. <laughs> I mean, is I would... it a podcast where we talk about sex? Is it a podcast? Is it just a recording of sex? Recording what of sex it? would be. I think that's the way you go. Sometimes, like you want ASMR at work, so you want to hear some <laughs> shit slapping against skin. You know, you just, oh, want, you just want to hear some raunchy ass shit while you're typing data into the database. <laughs> no, I'm thinking of now ASMR sex podcast where they're doing it really quietly. <laughs> <laughs> The least interesting sex imaginable. Let's see, who else is here? That's banned from iTunes and Google Play. We would be. Actually, no, we're, we're still on Google Play, weirdly enough. We're still there. We're Wait, still... are we off iTunes? No, we're not off iTunes. Okay, I thought so. I don't think so. I haven't checked the account in a year. <laughs> I just set it and forget it, man. You give it, you give it the RSS feed. It knows what to do, and if it falls yeah, off, and, that, and that's ban RS. Yeah. <laughs> Boy, y'all, I don't know what an RSS feed is, <laughs> and no one else does it. No, anymore. nobody else does either. It's weird. Never figured it out. Sorry. I tried making one myself once for my site, and then I got real fucking mad at it and said, "Fuck it." <laughs> Oh, I love this bed. <laughs> I slept on an air mattress for a month. Maybe I really he'll fall asleep before talking about Kingdom Hearts. That's a that's 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 a good outcome. Maybe will fall asleep while he's talking about. Oh, Kingdom that's Hearts. a given. It's just yo, one of these things will happen. Here's a your one hour space to monologue. We are going to go nap. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god well it's looking like it's about that time so what do you say we get started okay go for it and that was our cold open Soxcast episode 79 <laughs> I'm sure I'll plug in somewhere for the people that are getting the download version somewhere during that dumb conversation we were just having and we'll just roll it from there. Hi, I'm your host, as always, Polly, and to my immediate virtual right. He's not a donut. He's not. Not? Not a donut. It's Rhett. Oh, I wanted to be a donut. They're so delicious. They are delicious. Well, you are delicious. I'm, oh, are you going to put me in your mouth? Yes. Yes. I'll be I'll I want be all the donut. frosting. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> Give me that glaze, baby. <laughs> oh, you're going to be... <laughs> <laughs> I thought of a joke so fucking dirty I can't say it. Say it, you <laughs> chicken shit. <laughs> say it, chicken shit. Let's hear it. I'll make you a creep. <laughs> <laughs>
is the way to start. <laughs> Good start, everyone. Good start. <laughs> so, uh... <laughs> just move on if you want. How's it going, Rhett? It's going pretty good now. I was a little kind of out of it, and now I'm like, oh, I'm wired into this podcast now. <laughs> oh, yeah, you are all up in this podcast I now. I in the shower. Now I'm like, oh, okay, it's it's time to be funny. <laughs> was that ever a goal of ours, to actually be funny? I thought it was kind of a primary goal. I don't think we've ever succeeded. <laughs> I think we have. Did, did we actually do a best of episode? No, I did like a best of montage at the end of episode 50. And I have a bunch oh. of clips saved from episode 51 up through, I think, 67 or 8. And okay. so I've just been collecting clips as we go, obviously. So oh, yeah. there'll be a, there'll be like a clip cast at some point. Okay. Maybe when we hit yeah. 100 episodes. That's what I was thinking of. Yeah. yeah, Heather just asked if this is supposed to be a comedy podcast. It's actually an informative, critical podcast. Yeah. <laughs> It's yeah. everything. We're very smart. We have big brains. <laughs> Rhett's got a big dick. Um, okay, and... you have to mention that every episode. It's in my contract. It actually yeah. is. I will. Yeah. I will. I will whip that contract out later. Just slam like, it on the table. Slam it right on the table, just like Rhett does every day. I bring the big brain. Rhett brings the bra- the big dick. Polly brings the big tire iron. There you go. It's all. That's how it all works. That's how it all works. To my me. To my me. A virtual left. He's free! <laughs> it's John. Hi. Fuck the motherfucking free man, Thire. Well, free starting tomorrow. Free starting tomorrow. <laughs> well, my- I'm, I'm going to avoid saying too much. This now. is such a heel turn given this podcast in the past. I know, right? <laughs> oh, my word. Oh, my word. John Thire, are you ready to be the the, the biggest brain that we can have? Because I think we started off on a pretty, really dumb note so far. Oh yeah, and we made. Well, I don't know if I can really continue. Like my delicate childlike sensibilities have been thoroughly <laughs> scarred by that intro. <laughs> do you think? Well, what is this? Do you think you could insert your intelligence stick into this podcast and ejaculate some intelligence oh, no. into it? <laughs> Okay, okay. So y'all's thing with the... John's 12. I got a haircut, and then, like, the next day, a lady walked up onto me to meet me on, to me on the street and said, You look so young. You look so young. How old are you? What? I wouldn't have guessed. And then a co-worker said, You look like you're 12 years old. Oh, my God. <laughs> so I was just like, Oh, my God, they were right. You have to go buy beer now. Get carded. Yeah, that'll make you feel better. Yeah. Every time, it'll make you feel better. Yeah. No, not beer. I can't drink beer, right? Because it's Wait, weird. It gives him butt problems. Oh. What about wine? What? Wine? Oh, wine. I can have Okay. Because I I'm bought wine after a break. I, I bought some wine yesterday, and, and they didn't card me, and I was a little disappointed. Oh. <laughs> uh, getting old. You're showing it. It's that new job. It's put some grit on you. Like, you yeah. work in a factory now, you're like Mr. Macho Man, you've got like 27-inch biceps and shit now, it's kind of crazy. <laughs> yeah. It's like the Donkey Kong Country level? Basically, yeah. 
Rhett, <laughs> that's how they work. Red is his. Like, oh, here, wait. Let me just list factory levels from video games for oh, twenty Jesus. minutes. That'll be good. <laughs> That'll be great content. Let's do it. Ratchet and Clank. Oh, Ratchet and Clank's got a shit ton of factories. Uh, Final that's Fantasy VI. Okay. Oh, the, that one's real good. There's a bunch of Sonic levels. Yeah, I actually work in the egg carrier. Oh, there you go. <laughs> All right. All right. So, <laughs> believe it or not, there, there's a point in this fucking thing where we actually talk about shit. <laughs> I sometimes think this is the best part of the podcast and we should only ever do this part. <laughs> it's pretty fun. It is, right? Let's just free will it from now on. No more games talk. It's over. <laughs> Well, no, there's one more game we're talking about. Here. Don't worry. <laughs> All right. There's exactly one more, and then oh, we can oh, stop talking about We're going to be banned after Don talks about a certain game. <laughs> yeah, we're done. It's over. Games are just <laughs> kaput. Rats! Yep. Hi. What have you been doing? It's going good. What, what have you been doing? Uh, so, as you briefly mentioned, I started a new job about a month ago now. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, I forgot to post my one-month th- one anniversary. Oh, well. Uh, God, it's been so a month already. Crap. It's been a month already. I know, time fucking flies. Mm. And you've uh, only so... bought me one Steam gift. Well, maybe two coming up. Buy me things! <laughs> oh. Yeah. Uh, well, these comes out in a couple weeks. Yeah, yeah. That hot new that hot new uh, Memories of Celsius comes out. It's going to be yeah, some good hot stuff. new Vita Jam. Yeah! We're taking the Vita... And we're porting all the good games off of it. <laughs> they really oh. should at this point. Oh, they've not at this point. They've basically done it over the last year. Oh or two. yeah, I don't. I don't know what original games there are in the Vita that I care about. Like everything is on. Yeah. Is elsewhere. It's just like the Dreamcast ended up. <laughs> <laughs> and, and pretty soon the Wii U. Yeah. Oh, oh they just. Need, I, I really want to play Wonderful 101 because someone. Oh. Someone took the Wii U, so I, that's the only game left on it that I cared about playing that's not available elsewhere. The Wonderful oh, right, 101's yeah. pretty good. Yeah, yeah I want to play it. That game's pretty good. Um, yeah. I hope it comes to Switch at some point. I hope so, too. Because Bayonetta 2's there, and that's the other one. And then a billion Mario games, and that's all of the Wii U. Oh, oh right, that's the Wii U. Yeah, Mario Maker, motherfucker. Port that shit. Yeah, y- y'all can't play Mario 3D World or Mario Maker, so y'all are y'all are screwed. But I I got to play those meat like thoroughly. So I think I, I think Land was better. Really, Mario 3D Land? Yeah, I think Land was better. That's fair. I played I, mean, I, I played about halfway through um, World, and mm-hmm. I found myself bored. But that may just be because Nintendo hides all the good shit after World Eight these days in those games. Mm. <laughs> I fucking hate it. It's the worst. Yeah, there's a lot of good shit in 3D World, like in that in that back end. Oh God, like, new, super, gets... <laughs> new Super Mario Brothers U. Oh boy. God. Mm. Yeah, it's. I th- I finished 3D World and then I was like so thoroughly satisfied. I was like, I don't ever want another game like this from Nintendo. <laughs> they they finished it. Well, it doesn't look we... like they're interested in doing it again either. So. Yeah, I mean. They... They kind of went in pairs, like they did Galaxy 1 and 2, and then they did mm-hmm. 3D Land and World, and then they mm-hmm. did Odyssey. Yeah. So, Rhett, what have you been doing? So, so, what have I, <laughs> so back to my segment. Uh, so, since I am now gainfully employed, I bought a Switch. Nice! <laughs> little segue in there. <laughs> nice segue. Uh, yep. Nice segue. Segue. Gooey. 
Uh, so I bought a Switch and Zelda and a Pro Controller and a Switch traveling case and a screen protector. Uh, did I mention Pro Controller? I think I did. So Zelda caught... Co- oh, and the DLC for Zelda. So mm-hmm. that game cost me like 500 bucks or something. <laughs> way, lo- way more than that. Yeah, it was way more than completely that. Completely insane, but... <laughs> it's... That game's pretty good. Like, to the point where you go, yeah, this was a worthwhile investment. <laughs> Hell yeah. So you uh, played, yeah, how much... You played a lot of Zelda, right? I played you a played lot Zelda of Night. fucking Zelda. You got, I got the DLCs and... So I... The whole, okay. Give us a rundown. Um, rundown. It's, like, hard to know where to start with this game. Um, so a few, a few years ago, a game called Master 3... <laughs> Wait, I'm going somewhere with this. <laughs> Go for it. A game called Mass Effect 3 came out, and on Giant Bomb, the staff played through it, and they were profoundly disappointed. As, like, the whole internet was profoundly disappointed with Mass Effect 3. And then right before the end of the year, Brad Shoemaker of Giant Bomb plays through Mass Effect 3 with all the DLC installed and had a great time. And that was my experience with ME3. Yeah. So it felt like something was missing, literally, from that game to begin with, and then but they kind of finished it a bit later. Yeah. So I bought Zelda, and I immediately bought the expansion pass thing, and I played that game entirely on the harder difficulty, which people are like, oh, you shouldn't do it, it's way too hard. And I'm like, yeah, but the number one complaint I see about this game is that it gets way too easy, like, 20 hours in, and you just mm-hmm. kind of start steamrolling things. So basically, I'm you're very... Also among, you're also among a certain demographic of friends, I think, compared to a lot of people. Yeah, it's, it's like, like... You die in this game! Ah! Yeah, I'm not afraid of dying in games. I played all the Souls games, like, whatever. Uh, you're a hardcore so, elite gamer. Yeah, I, I didn't want to make it sound like that way, but it's like... <clears throat> a game that rewards, like, analyzing enemy behavior, not just mashing in, rushing in stuff, and, like trying to stealth around these camps so like the first couple hours of that game on master mode are fucking nutty hard where it's just like i'm not sure i killed anything on the plateau (laughs) because it's just completely unfeasible (laughs) because what master mode does is it takes every enemy in the game and ups them a rank and i didn't and i did and it and they have health regen now so after like five seconds which is not very long they start just regaining all their health back (laughs) <laughs> which which kind of fucks with a lot of like the cute like environmental stuff you can do where it's like oh I'm going to push a boulder off a hill and it'll land on that camp and injure those enemies so you do that and they lose like a quarter of their health now but then they're and then, gaining it back five and seconds they, later and then they stand up and immediately gain it back and you're just like <laughs> well okay so it does kind of screw with the combat that way mm-hmm. but so I looked up so once I had finished the game I looked up how much like enemy ranks affect their HP, and it's like, it's profound. Where it's like, a red, bubble, a red Bobokin will have like 13 HP, but you don't get any of them on the master mode. You The weakest will be a blue one, which has 70 HP. Wow. So it's like over five times stronger. That's quite so like a that, jump, yeah. That's every enemy in the game is like five times stronger than they would be normally, practically. Because towards the end, it levels out where it's like, oh, this one has 720 HP and this guy has 1080. Like, it's not a huge jump, but the lower enemies are, like, insanely, like, a huge jump there. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I... Zelda is a game that feels so talked about where it's like, I'm not sure where what else there is to say about it. Because it's just like, yeah, I had a great time exploring that world and doing, like, literally everything you could besides all the fucking Quark Seeds. Because there's way too many of those. 
-hmm. but but those are also a thing you're not meant to get all of them because there's 900 of them and you only wanted to make sure there are a lot of you you stumble onto a lot of them because there are so many of them and as long as you're not worried about getting all of them it's fine was kind of my experience because like the reward for getting all of them is literally a piece of shit (laughs) (laughs) Give you a golden turret statue, and it's like, okay, like, good job. You weren't, you're, you're having a to go. real, you're having a real good time taking the piss out of the player with that. Good job. Yeah. <laughs> but like, I understand in concept. It's so that like wherever you are in the world, there's always a Korok seed nearby because so in order to reward exploration. Mm. But like, they get a little fucking predictable with where they are. Where it's like, whenever you're in like an area that's kind of like mountainous. It's like, you just go to the highest peak. There's always a Korok seed up there. Yeah. I went to the top of Hyrule Castle. Like, the tip top of the entire game world, there's a fucking Korok seed up there. There's, like, <laughs> multiples on the, up there. It's just like, okay, like, you always put one on the highest point in, like, every town, every mountain. It's a little silly. It's a very, like, simple formula to communicate to the player to follow. Yeah, because that game is all about, you know, verticality and climbing. Mm-hmm. And I... That's one of the things that really, I think, sets it apart from other open-world games is, like, how vertical that whole world is and, like, how they really exploit, like, using the landscape and, like, looking off into the distance from a high vantage point and seeing stuff in the distance being like, oh, I want to go there, I want to go there. Mm-hmm. It's uh, like the the thing where, that everyone did where they climbed to the top of the Empire State Building in Spider-Man 2 and then jumped off, like, uh, yeah, but, like, stretching that out. <laughs> But, like, making a bigger thing out of it. Yeah, and the smartest thing they do is give you the hang, hang glider, like, super early, and then... Cause oh, you, the hang glider is so gorgeous. It's so good, and you use that thing so much, and, like, you feel like you're cheating by just going so, super high and then just hang gliding for, like, a minute mm-hmm. somewhere. That's all I would want to do in that game, is just yeah. play with the <laughs> hang glider. That's, like, just give me a completed file and give me... Like, just let me run around. You can do be- a lot of that. You get a lot of time to just do that. Yeah. Yeah, because it's a very long, stretched out game. Like, you know, like when people used to complain about, like, Hyrule Field and Ocarina being kind of big and empty. This is that, like, 20 for the entire game. And the funny thing is that there is a Hyrule Field in this right in the center of the map is, like, (laughs) just completely flat and empty. But it's also the hardest area in the game because they put a bunch of the Guardians there. (laughs) Mm. That's so kind of like you're always kind of pushed to the outskirts of the map, really. That's mm. pretty cool, actually. Yeah. Yes. One one really dumb thing that they did is that there's a bunch of DLC outfits you can get with the expansion pass, but you can't upgrade them to make them stronger, like all the other armor. That's which I didn't dumb. know. So I like was su- pretty late in the game. It's like, oh, I'll go get the stuff that's in Hyrule Castle, like right next to the... There's a piece of armor that's like above the final boss door, mm-hmm. which is really goofy. So I go in there, get that, ignore the final boss and leave. And then I find out you can't upgrade it, so my other stuff is already better. I'm just like, guys, why would you do that? It like that? Yeah, it's a bad design decision right there. Um, I saw a lot of people complain about the Divine Beast dungeons being kind of bad. Mm-hmm. And I kind of agree. Oh, I really like them. <laughs> like they're so cool conceptually, and I really did like the flying one because mm-hmm. just on this fucking huge thing flying around the map. But like I don't know, the dungeons were always just kind of like, oh, that's it. Like I don't know. Like that's the, but, the dungeons are kind of not the point of the game, and I'm not trying to discount yeah. it or say they can't be criticized. 
because I think that it's completely fair to hold it against the game that the dungeons are kind of bleh. But yeah, yeah that's not the game. No. Yeah, and I, I, and I like them. I just like them because they were short, and also because they had puzzles that weren't oriented around like finding the item in the dungeon. Like they just had puzzles oh. that were puzzles instead of find the item. Yeah, but because of the shrines, that kind of stuff is scattered all over the game already. Yeah. So the the Divine Beast dungeons are kind of like longer shrines, basically, and a little more mm-hmm. open and how you can go about them. But I did like, like, they're great as a change of pace, and like, the, probably the most exciting moments of the game are when you're like mounting your assault to get on the Divine Beast. Yes. Like, there's moments where like you're chasing this thing through the desert on a fucking like seal and like shooting its legs. It's like your shadow of the Colossus. Yeah. Yeah. That's literally what I was about to say. And then, so there's three like big dramatic moments like that. And then the fourth one is an escort mission. (laughs) (laughs) And I did that one last and I'm just like, Oh, okay. Which one was that again? The one you just, you walk him up the mountain. Oh yeah. Oh God. Yeah. I remember that now. That's the last one I did. It's just like, like, I understand, but aww. <laughs> Especially since it's the one on a volcano. Yeah, it's the one of the coolest settings. Ugh. So, oh, when, you, when you beat each Divine Beast, you get, like, this power, and then once you beat all four of them, you unlock the DLC mission, the Champion's Ballad, mm-hmm. which is, like, unlocks four more shrines for each area. And so, so, basically, I didn't fast travel the whole game until this point because it just becomes kind of unreasonable at that point where it's like oh here's all the stuff like scattered all over the world all over again so you do these shrines you do some new quests and you get upgraded versions of those powers like one of them's like hit all enemies in an area with a huge lightning bolt three times and then normally it's like a seven minute recharge and you get it down to like a three minute one so it's like oh this is actually like if a fight lasts long enough say against the final boss you might be able to use it more than once Mm mm-hmm Poncho Smith says he never rode a horse once in the game. I very rarely rode rode horses. Like, I just fucking walked everywhere and didn't fast travel because I am nuts. (laughs) Uh, So, sorry, I gotta... The thing, I guess I'll just summarize, the thing I really liked about this game is, on the harder difficulty especially, is how focused it is on your eventual one... The one thing that matters, kill Ganon. Like, that's literally, yeah. like, the second quest they give you. Kill Ganon. <laughs> and so it's at the top of your quest log the entire game. That's incredible. So when you beat the game, it fades to white, and then it just does this big dramatic kill Ganon. Check. Complete. <laughs> <laughs> it's so goofy. Ganon's a fucking check mark. Well, it just plays, like, the normal, like, quest complete thing. But in the, the screen with the white background, like making it all kind of dramatic, and That's... it's like at the at the end of Majora's Mask when it says instead of you know, like seventy two hours remain, it just says Dawn of a New Day on yeah. the white. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's being cheeky, really, with kind of the format of the game. Yeah, but yeah, because this game is so hard though on Master Mode. Like at one point, I was just kind of like early on, I was like, well, what am I actually doing here? And then and I realized like the goal is to get stronger, and the goal which means doing as many shrines as possible and getting as many hearts as possible because you will get one shot killed for, like, a fucking while. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I've had stuff hit me for, like, 12 hearts 
like the golden enemies, like insane amounts of damage you can take. That's a long ways away from our Wind Waker one eighth of a heart damage. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. So yeah, like I did everything pretty much possible except power up the master sword because uh, the th- the quest to do that does not scale well to master mode mm. because you know when everything's like five times harder and it strips all your gear away, it's like oh, this is like unreasonably difficult now. But uh oh oh okay, the master that sounds fun. I didn't do the master mode master sword. You should do them on the normal difficulty though. That's the problem. <laughs> Gotcha. Well, I didn't get... I, I leveled up stamina fully before I did hearts, and you need a certain number of hearts, just like the original Legend of Zelda, to get the sword. Yeah, you never even saw the sword, did you? Did you see the Deku tree? Oh. <sighs> nah, I, I, I saved everything except for, like, one <laughs> one dungeon and the Master Sword, and then I was like, eh, I just want to go beat the game. <laughs> so I did. Oh, so you didn't do all four Divine Beasts? No, I did do the fourth one. I almost just skipped it, oh. and then I went to the fourth one, and then I went straight to Ganon. Yeah. I did all three labyrinths though, which have the same music. I think. Oh yeah, those are fun. I love those. Yeah. Yeah, there's on part of the map. There's just these fucking huge mazes, and like you think you'll be able to cheese it by just hovering over them, and then it's just oh, there's little doorways down here that you can't see from above. So <laughs> it's real evil. Like there's little passages, so you can't just cheese it by getting above it. Mm. Yep. So, yeah, I just liked how singularly focused this game is on, like, eventually getting strong enough to kill Ganon and then on the harder difficulty, like, having done everything, did the Champion's Ballad, powered up all those abilities, Ganon's still real fucking hard. (laughs) (laughs) By the way, all the bosses have HP regen, too. Oh, good! (laughs) Yeah. That's my favorite boss gimmick already, but let's put it on every boss ever. So... They will only regen to a point. Like, it kind of goes in, like, stages of, like, 25 or 12% HP. Like, mm. they won't completely refill. But I will say it's super funny at the start of the Ganon fight. If you've done the Divine Beasts, like, they'll all hit him for, like, 25% of it. Like, they'll take off half of his life total. <laughs> but then it heals right the fuck back up. <laughs> back up, like, up to 60%. And I'm like, son of a bitch. <laughs> this is pointless. It wasn't pointless, but, like, yeah. And then towards the end of that fight, like, he starts getting basically invincible armor on everything oh so you, re- so you really have to just be like getting every possible like counterattack point in like it's like it's like the end of dark souls where the game is like hey did you learn how to parry because you better know now you better do it you that better be all you fucking do <laughs> yeah so it's like you pick out a parry this then use the lightning to do this then hopefully your core and shield is up to stun him again and then it's so like getting like five stuns in a row just to finally lock him down and get his HP to zero was real exciting. And then there's a big kind of dramatic, uh, Sonic adventure fight. Yeah. That's the best way to put it. You fight bio lizard. Yeah. Yeah. Link, uh, goes into space and he pulls, Oh yeah. You, you can use the motorcycle on the final fight because huh. there's a motorcycle in the DLC. It's a great game. I'll go to the champions ballad stuff. Eh. I thought the pacing of it was super weird because like having when I defeat the fourth divine beast that's like your go beat the game moment so having all this other stuff pop up because mm-hmm. first it asks you to go back to the plateau and then you go back to the four divine beast stuff and it's just like like it's good but I was a little exhausted by the game at that <laughs> point because I was like 80 hours in <clears throat> yeah. 
it definitely screws up the pacing. Okay. But, like, I don't know. Like, there's a... F- the fifth Divine Beast is, like, it's fine. Like, it's probably the best one, like, puzzle-wise. But I was never super huge. I another one. I mean, it's a, it's crazy how much they work. They make you work for it because you have to be like, do all like either sixteen or twenty of the new trunk to get to it. It's like the very last thing, and then there's a boss at the end that's maybe harder than canon. <laughs> all right. So it sounds like if I revisit the game, what I want to do is buy the DLC and play it on master mode. Oh, but then you're replaying the whole game. <laughs> That's... Yeah, I know. No, I'm talking about in like th- three years or something. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, That's I would not nice. do that without some significant time. Because I, st- I see people talking about doing multiple playthroughs of this game, and I'm just like, how? How? how why would you do that? <laughs> <laughs> it's the same, same thing with all their new Mario games and whatnot. It's like they want every game to completely exhaust you by the end. Yeah. Just be- like, the, the nice way to say it is that they want to leave you completely satisfied. Yeah. So I understand from, like, a value prospect, but yeah, there's always something for leave them wanting more, which is how Yakuza 0 felt for me. And then there's a mm-hmm. sequel to that, which left you completely satisfied. Yeah. Uh, so are we doing round robin, or am I just talking yeah, about all those things right now? Just round robin it. Okay. Yeah. Who's up next? I don't care. Pop. Me. Oh, Okay. Well, John wanted it. John wanted it, so John, take it. Okay. Um, I think I've got two kind of topics. So, um, I've played two quintet games, actually, for the first time. What'd you play? I played Soul Blazer and Illusion of Gaia. That first one's real good. Yup, Soul Blazer's (laughs) real good, huh? Mm Mm-hmm. I really... Yeah, yeah, Rhett? (laughs) I liked Illusion of Gaia. I just don't remember anything about it besides a pig dying. <laughs> the pig doesn't die. It sacrifices itself. It literally fucking sets itself on a spit for you. <laughs> that is... That'll do, pig. That'll do. Starving villagers. Feed you and starving villagers who are mm-hmm. going to eat you out of it. He saves your life. It's very nice. <laughs> um, so Soul Blazer's really cool and smart. Um, I constantly was posting little bits of dialogue from that game because I really, really liked the writing just all throughout it. Like, the basic premise of Soul Blazer is just that, like, you want, you show up at this empty village or town or whatever, and there's no life, no anything, mm-hmm. and then you go into this dungeon, and as you complete the dungeon and kill these, and en- beat these enemy spawn points up, um, they free souls of things, people, animals that lived in this town. Um, and then you see them pop up back to life. Their house will rebuild around them. Um, and then you can go up and talk to them. And often you'll be go- you'll be talking to someone, and then that will open up another progression point in the dungeon. So you're going back and forth, starting from nothing to building, like, this big, thriving town. And you do this over the course of, like, many different kinds of... Like, like, like many different locations, and it's... Like six areas, basically. Yeah, it's like, always really good. Yeah. Um, like there's one, the first one is just a basic RPG town. The second one is all animals in the woods. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're an angel basically. So you can talk to everything, including like the flowers and the rocks and the trees and the, hear the, hear the everything. Um, so wait, this, one... sa- this sounds yeah. a little like Actraiser. 
It's by is the that... same people. Okay. okay, I was going to say, this sounds like... But this is more of like uh, just a top-down action RPG from start to finish, okay. whereas like, yeah. ActRaiser is wearing many hats at once. Yeah. yeah. So it sounds like ActRaiser 2, you know, dropped all it that is... stuff, and this is like the kind of the other path on that fork. Yeah. Exactly. This is the thematic sequel to Act Razor. I think that's, that's exactly on point. Cool. That's what I was thinking playing it. Um, it's like Act Razor, but they just made everything kind of consistent where you're interacting with the people in the dungeon with the same, you know, yeah. movements. So it's, it's probably less fun, but I think it holds together a little better. And the writing is better, I think. Oh, it's way better. I think, yeah. yeah. Um, you don't have the Yuzo Koshiro score, though. But the music's still good. It's still good. It's still good-ass music. Like, there's still a lot of fucking tunes that I can just, like, hear in my head at any moment from that game that are just like, awesome. yeah. Like, yeah. I love that soundtrack. Cool. Yeah, I really liked it, too. Especially, like, that first dungeon theme was like, oh, okay, yeah. I'm here for this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, there's one air- town that's full of these, like, dwarves, basically. And all of them live complete lifespans in one year. Oh, and then die. <laughs> and then, so you're talking to all these people that have been around for, like, eight months, and they're, like, talking about, oh, I'm gonna die. And they've all, like, it's, like, a whole race of people that are really at peace with death. It's really fucking unsettling for an early SNES game. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of, it reminds me a bit of Kino's journey, in a way, where you're constantly interacting oh. with these different cultures and different value systems. Um, mm-hmm. All that kind of tie into this one big overarching plot. It's really, really fun. Man, I need to go replay that fucking game. It's just, yeah, it's I just really... like good, right? It's a cool. It's a worldview where every. All of these. Dip, by just having like. all, It literally says like, oh, the rocks have a soul mm-hmm. that's just as valuable. The flowers have a soul that's just as valuable and special as the humans. There's the mermaids. There's dogs. There's. You go and talk to the soul of a dead dog that everyone admired. <laughs> Man, that's real sad. Because yep. you actually see the dead dog. Aww. Yeah, you do. You see the dog, the dog skeleton. <laughs> um, yeah, it's... I, I want to say it's, like, humanistic. It's... Both this and Illusion of Gaia, I think, have that, where they have this, like, the worldview on display in the game. Like, you're not really playing it for big, dramatic moments. No. There's not, like, Kefka blowing up the world or whatever. You're, like, you're here for these vignettes that kind of yeah. play out, and, like, those little stories are always really interesting or touching or just, they leave you, like, each one leaves you with something a little different. Exactly. I think that it's just kind of that there's this worldview in the game that just comes across continuously as you're playing it, and the worldview is really warm and positive and loving. And, loving. Um, and positive, yeah. It's, it's, and, 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 like, kudos to the localization, because for an early localization, like, it's still, re- like, it doesn't have the, yeah. clon- it doesn't have the clunkiness that you see in, in a lot of uh, uh, localizations from that era. Yeah, I was really impressed with the just how the writing, how strong the writing came across. Uh, That's really cool because keeps, cause it, keeps like it punchy a, and poetic. I think. Yeah, a bad translation sounds like it would totally ruin what's special about this. Yes, because it's a, yeah, it's the writing. Like it's fun to play. I really like how the um, the dungeons 
change their level structure as you beat up the enemies. Like, you'll either free a soul or it'll change the level in some way. Like, remove a barrier or just totally change the shape of the nearby area. Yeah. Um, it's got all these shortcuts. Like, it, it, the way it does shortcuts is really, really tactful. Like, yeah. they'll put a bridge that'll just... So instead of checkpointing constantly, it's just giving you these shortcuts back to the start of the level. It, so uh, it's Demon Souls. It's just like Demon Souls. <laughs> uh, Demon Soul Blazer. Boom! Demon Soul there Blazer. There it is. There it is. Yeah. And it just keeps going and wraps up nicely, and it made me feel warm and good, and I really liked it a lot. And I jumped straight into Illusion of Gaia. The, <laughs> How did that make thing. you feel? Um. Okay, so Illusion of Gaia is, like, a lot more ambitious, and it's going for, like, big dramatic beats. Yeah. I think. And they're not good at it. No, no. <laughs> but the pig in the rat. They really over fucking play it. Yeah, they, it's everything about it is just like whenever they go for those beats, it's pretty clumsy. It's contrived um, as shit. Yeah, I think. Um, like there are moments like that in like Final Fantasy. It, like a lot of early RPGs do that, where they are trying to make something land and they don't really have the chops to quite pull it off. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is just... Soul Blazer doesn't really go for that. Like, the only kind of similar moments are, like, um, the girl's dad dying near the end, the scientist guy. Um, like, they kind of play into that similarly, and it's it's fine. Like, it's not... But it's not, like, why you're there. Yeah. And this is just full of that. It's... It's all those kind of moments, and the dungeons don't have that interplay. Um, there's, it just feels like there's less writing. Like I almost never wanted to, I almost never wanted to share screenshots of dialogue from this one. And it's weird because it's the game that wants to be like more yeah. ambitious. It wants to be more dramatic, yeah. but the writing isn't there to support it. Yeah, I, I think the ending's pretty strong. Like, yeah, it's still got. It's still got that humanism to it. It still feels... There's still, like, a kindness to it that feels really nice. Like, I... Like, if you just compare it with, like, Secret of Mana, which was similar in a lot of ways, like... Oh, boy. <laughs> like, the story landed a lot better for me. Um, but it's also just... In Soul Blazer, you exi- you're an angel. You exist outside of all these people Yeah. Um, that you're saving. Illusion of Gaia, like, the core story is you and these, like, five or so friends... That have been friends forever, and all of the resonance is about the relationship between these kids. And all the dungeons, you're alone, and they have nothing to do with it. So you're either playing the dungeon, you're doing either dungeoning, or you're having the little cutscenes outside of the in the towns. Mm-hmm. And the dungeons don't really play into the story that they want to land. I think. No, they're just kind of they're dungeons because you have you're making a, a RPG kind of game. You gotta have dungeons in those. Yeah, and they and the structure is nowhere near as strong. They don't feel they literally just kind of feel like they're putting dungeon after level up video game levels in a row. Yeah, um, I really think it's just kind of a failure of the. It's just kind of a failure of the writing. I think it feels like a first draft where if they been able to put more time into the scenario and making all these characters more not necessarily even fleshed out but just like thoughtful and consistent and earning the beats the big beats that they go for yeah because it just moves too fast the intro is the roughest like once it kind of settles into the 
go around the world collecting magic statues groove like it's pretty okay but the the whole first two hours is just kind of a mess i think yeah it doesn't really like i i replayed this game i want to say a couple two or three years ago and it didn't really hold up for me at all yeah. i think it's all right which is a shame because i love soul blazer yeah like i still love the shit out of soul blazer um mm-hmm. but and illusion just... of that was always like the major one like, yeah as far as yeah the popular discourse was like 10 years ago that was the standout yeah like that game was being sold on fucking qvc when i was growing up like i was like <laughs> when do they have video games on and they're talking about this video game called illusion of gaia and making a big deal out of it and like i never mm-hmm. saw video games on fucking qvc what the hell it's QVC. i kind of i vaguely remember reading about illusion of gaia in nintendo power but like i'd never heard of soul blazer until like a couple years ago mm. <laughs> You probably never heard of the Grand Stream Saga, have you? <laughs> no. I watched That's the video. I... It's the PS1 Quintet, get, twin, quintet oh. game that nobody knows about except me. Is it? Did do it... you like it? Because I watched it's... some footage of it and I was like, oh, this is pretty. It's all right. Yeah. I, I mean, I would have to oh. replay it. Like, I haven't replayed it since. Like, like, somebody got it for me for my birthday in, like, 1998 oh. or so. And I have not replayed it since. So it's been 20 mm-hmm. years since I've played that game. Oh, don't say 20 years like that. <laughs> okay, it's, okay. It's so been the next... 10 years, Polly. <laughs> 98 was 10 years ago. Okay, yes. 98 was 10 years ago. <laughs> I've only known you seven years. Yep. <laughs> um, so the next... If I played more quintet games, the next ones would be Robotrek and Terranigma. Mm-hmm. Like, y'all have any relationships with those? Uh, Robotrek is really, 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 really rough around the edges in terms of mechanics. It's kind of... Like, I think it's just kind of not super fun to play. Uh, Um, And I don't really remember the story sticking out much. Terra Enigma, I think it... like I, I think that, like, Illusion of Gaia, it's good, but I think people are just really hype on that game because we never got an official release, so it's kind of that cool thing that looks cool from the distance, but when you play it, it's kind of like, yeah, I mean, it's alright. It's, it's one yeah. of these. It's okay. <laughs> That's, so, especially since if you go on how long to beat, like, Soul Blazer is like 8 hours, and Illusion of Gaia is like 13, and then Terranave is like 17. It's like, oh, okay. <laughs> I kind of see this progression, huh? Yeah. So those are the th- that's the trilogy, right? Mm-hmm. But you guys are saying that Soul Blazer is probably still the best one. I think yeah. Yeah. when it's not when that that absolutely was not like the the discourse as I remember it ten years ago no. when I started reading. Oh yeah, I always thought, oh, Terra Enigma, the sequel to Illusion of Gaia, we never got, and yeah. Soul Blazer, what's that? Yeah, yeah. exactly. Soul sure. Blazer reminded me a lot of both Farron of the Farron games. Like it's kind of a similar, just very tight construction and story beats that land and more better than you'd expect i think which is neat mm. um and just the the flow of the dungeons reminded me of fair a lot too like fair two especially so yeah i i i really liked soul blazer i thought illusion of gaia was pretty all right um it it made me cry at the end so props there <laughs> well, well well you know like what game doesn't <laughs> Literally, what piece of media has John Thayer interacted with that didn't make him cry at the end? Hmm. Um. Well, shall I play? What about Shadows? Gone Girl? Um, Motherfucker! 
Oh, we'll get to that. <laughs> yeah, I think so. All right, I think that's I think that's my quintet journey. Holly, Yo, what have you been up to? What have I been up to? Well, uh. <laughs> Oh my god, there's a spider on my desk. Oh no. John, oh, yeah. go eat it! Don't kill it, it has a soul! <laughs> it's on the floor now. Oh yeah, did you hit it? He got away, he jumped. Dude, he's gonna fucking crawl in your mouth tonight. Oh Jesus Christ, I'm shooing him away now. He's gonna get in your ear while you're asleep. Stop that. What? I'm just saying, it might crawl up your nose. <laughs> You do the podcast. I'm watching this. <laughs> He's watching literally having to stare down with a fucking spider right now. He's trying to crawl under my PC. <laughs> Give it a smack, dude. I gotta hear how this goes down. This is... I didn't used to kill spiders, but then... This is... But they freaked out Anna, so I killed them for her. This is way more interesting than anything any of us uh, are going to talk about. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I got him. Okay. He's, like, under the desk next to the computer, and I kind of smashed him, and he's not moving, and he's all curled up, so he probably got him. Oh, <laughs> man, that was a grisly one. The circle of life. <laughs> I, I slammed my microphone down on him, and he, like, skid out of the way and onto, like, the floor. Damn! He was going for it. He was going for it. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry about that, Spider. Uh, Tinker Gemini, thank you for the sub. Appreciate it. Um, so I, I played a game that John Thayer probably played. Oh? It's a game that I was... It's a game that I initially had no interest in, and then I watched some people uh, stream it that I'm familiar with, like our friend Elrock617, and I was like, oh, wait a minute, no, this actually looks real fucking good. Um, because I've had no interest in Bloodstained at all, because it just kind oh. of... It just kind of looks like one of those. Yeah, those... You know, like, it's going to be that kind of game, like, as much as I don't want it to be, as much as, like, like as much as this, the game that I'm going to talk about gave me hope, having yeah. se having seen someone stream the demo of the main game, I was like, oh. Yeah. Yeah, it's... I saw someone complaining about the demo just being, like, a whole bunch of flat, empty rooms. Yeah! What? It's pretty boring. How could they betray our memories of... Of Symphony of the Night that way and make just a bunch of flat empty rooms. <laughs> That's exactly how I remember Symphony. Yeah. So I played Bloodstained Curse of the Moon, which is the, like, like I guess this was a stretch goal for the Kickstarter. Oh, um, stretch goal. And it's a hell of a stretch goal because yeah, uh, I'm, pretty sure, I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure it's going to make a better game. Yeah, I know. <laughs> more will make a better game for you. <laughs> It um, worked for, for Mighty Number Nine. It kind of did, <laughs> yeah. Which is kind of the two notable instances. Like we we can't really say for sure about Bloodstained yet, but having seen yeah. that demo, who boy, that looked boring as fuck. Um, <laughs> I've somehow managed to play all every Igovania, so I'm probably I might play at this point. You're, you're you kind of yeah, to. you're kind of like you're locked in. Yeah, it's like. I do like filling in blue squares on a grid. Like, it feels pretty good. 
it makes my brain go it puts happy juice in my brain to be like this was empty before but now it's full of blue squares and look the number in the corner says that i found almost all of them Yay! <laughs> oh and i've leveled up too oh, oh thank god, god. I've got so many good chemicals. You got oh. three extra hit points, man. Bigger. The numbers get bigger, though. The numbers are so big. I did, oh. Every hit I did was doing sixteen before. Now it does. Oh now it does eighteen. Holy shit! Oh, this is the best game of all time. I need to rave about this for twenty fucking years. Oh. oh keep begging As that everyone make games exactly like it. It's a very quick aside. It did feel kind of weird that Zelda doesn't have any leveling and stuff. So it's just like you get in a fight and break all your weapons. And it's like, oh, I got nothing out of that. Like, there's no experience. Yeah. <laughs> Which I kind of loved. Like, it's so against every modern game right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I play Bloodstained Curse of the Moon. This is the 8-bit, 16-bit kind of Bloodstained game that they that, that uh, NT Creates made. Uh, you might know them from Mighty Gunvolt, um, uh, Blaster Master Zero, some of the Mega Man uh, Zero slash X, um, like the ZX Advent. Yeah, they're the ones that have been making good Mega Man games for the yeah. last 50 years. Yeah. Wait, did they do 9? I can't remember. I think they did. I think they yeah. did 9, yeah. Yeah, I think they did, yeah, but with, uh, with uh, what's-his-name supervision, Inafune's supervision, yeah. Um, well, where would they be without that? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, this game's incredible. Um, I would uh, yeah. I would say that this game is as good and smart as Shovel Knight. Wow! wow. And That's... and for what you pay for it, you get a lot of value out of it because there are. Um, okay, okay. So let's let's kind of break it down a little bit. This is kind of like obviously a 2D side-scrolling Castlevania game uh, set in a kind of like... Oh, it's really like Castlevania 3. Yeah, it's very... Yeah. Like, it takes a lot of inspiration from Castlevania 3. Uh, the levels are huge. There are multiple ways to go through them. There are hidden power-ups that you can get for your playthrough. Like, you can find, like, an item that'll let every character do extra damage or give every character extra health. Um, I don't think I found... Oh, yeah, I did find this. Okay. Continue. Uh, there are multiple characters that you get over the course of a playthrough, and uh, unlike Castlevania 3, you get to keep them all. And they all have their own pool of health, and they all have their own very unique ways of approaching combat, of traversing each stage. Like, you can definitely change the way you go through any given stage, depending on, like, who is in your party. Um, and the there are very. And the best part is. You can switch between them instantly. Yeah, it's like there is no like like Castlevania three has this slow ass wait dissolve. Like at least three seconds. Yeah, it's <laughs> at least three seconds. This is just quite literally click. You're there. <laughs> like you can just do it mid jump. Like don't give a fuck. <laughs> attack, switch, attack again. Like what? Yeah, it's real. It like it is so smooth. It's so snappy. It is so smooth. It's so snappy, but it still maintains things like those committed jumps from Castlevania games. But for some reason, it still feels better. Hmm. Like the game's <laughs> yep. got it's got a bit. The game's got a bit more speed behind it. I would say this is probably ten, fifteen percent faster than your typical um, Castlevania game from like those olden days. Mm -hmm. And. Um, 
just like top to bottom, it's just like you, you look at everything that they've done and all you can say after each thing is listed is like smart design decision, smart design decision, smart design decision, smart design decision. And um, like I, I, I have I, I, it's hard to find anything to actually bitch about with this game. Um, it's got a pretty good story. Which I wasn't expecting yeah. either. Like I was actually surprised that the story is pretty decent, and there are many ways to approach that story uh, due to a, a sort of framing device slash conceit that kind of opens up when you finish the game for the first time and you unlock a new mode and then you finish the game on that mode and then unlock a new mode and there's like four fucking ways to play this game. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, I think the first two represent like the the main journey that like if you just play the first one i don't think the story leaves much of an impact but if you play the first two then it's like oh okay that's what you're going for this is awesome i feel really good that's what i've played so far yeah yeah and it's just the, the like the level designs are really really good uh just smart fun enemy placement to contend with like you're gonna get dicked over a lot but you're just like i know i should have saw that coming or you overcommit to something and throw yourself down Mm. a pit um and and i you can't talk about this game if you're not talking about the boss design which is incredible They're very simple bosses that operate on very simple patterns that repeat themselves with very little rng but they're so fucking smart. Uh, it, it's just... I don't know how to really explain that part. Because, like, the bosses are big, they're huge, they're menacing, they're great. They've got these incredible attack patterns that are fun to kind of work around. Depending on your characters, depending on what you've got, depending on what sub-weapon you've got. Like, oh shit, do you have enough... Uh, special energy to use your special weapon to help make this fight easier or are you going to have to like chuck it and do it the hard way and like if you die you lose that character so then you have to con- so then you have to start over at the checkpoint without the character that died and get back there again and it's it, it's real interesting you know and you've got limited lives in that respect but you only lose a life when all of the characters are dead so Mm-hmm. Um, so you can like kind of try to scrape by with like just the old man magic user. I did that a few times, and it feels real good if you manage it. Mm-hmm. The old man magic user, kind of the only character in the game I feel that doesn't qu- like definitely could use a little love in terms of maybe being a little better. I think the thing that they do for him is just make all of this magic, like, ridiculously it's overpowered. Rid- oh, yeah, like, literally, you can just throw up, you're like... Which in- is great. You can just pull up a Ninja Gaiden Firewheel and run through fucking everything. <laughs> just whatever. Yeah. Pull out a big freeze ice... All, freeze all enemies. Then he gets the super lightning attack later that's, at some points. That's real... Like, the only one of his that sucks is that, like, doppelganger slash mirror uh, yeah, image thing. Because there's no way to really use it. Uh, in any like decent way, but um, you can't synergize with it like you can with the other ones. Yeah, like all of the characters kind of play into one another. If you're playing the game and like paying attention to your abilities and like what they can do and how to best utilize them, and it's just like, and and I I played through basically all of the content in the game over the course of maybe a day and a half. And yeah, I beat both modes and. In- Three settings, I think. Yeah, I did. I did the first two modes. I did. Uh, there's kind of like a harder mode where you only get a Zangetsu, uh, which was really <laughs> fun 
Um, yeah, I want to do that so that I can just kind of, because that'll be hard, and I'm, I'm I'm ready to dig into the patterns more. Oh, it's real good. It's real good because you get so many cool different abilities because of the way you have to approach getting into that mode, which is uh, mm-hmm. killing all of the allies that you see along the way. You kill them, and then you take their like, like you get an ability from them that adds to his repertoire. That makes him even cooler because by the end of the game, he's just like you've got so many cool abilities that you they're not like directly analogous to the abilities that the characters had that you defeated. It's just you get cool new abilities that you didn't have before, like a double jump or uh, some crazy shit like that, like a full-on dash that you can just do all the time, which, like, you know, if you mm-hmm. ever watch a speedrun of this game, it's kind of incredible because they usually only play with Zangetsu, and it's pretty crazy. Um, let's see. What, what, what else about this game is, is incredible? John Thayer? I think, it's, I think it's funny that I just talked about Illusion of Gaia, like, where the the whole story is based around like the relationship between these people, but then the play doesn't involve that at all. Yeah, and this is just the opposite. Like it's not overplayed. Like there's very little writing, but they just completely build your build the idea that these characters have a relationship through the play, and then which is all it takes to earn the big beats. Yeah, near the end. Yeah, so you got, like, Zangetsu is a sword user, and that's pretty standard fare, and all of his weapons kind of supplement that in some way. And then you've got, uh, what's her name? I can't remember. My favorite? Yeah, she's my favorite. Yeah, Shinoa. Uh, she's purple. She's my favorite. She's a a whip user. She's got a lot of awesome sub-weapons. She leans forward like Simon when she wants. Yeah, she does. Very purposeful. (laughs) You know, it's just like, if you're going to throw back to it, like, okay, that's cool, because you're, like, this game is anything but a shameless throwback. Like, so I'll let you have that. Go ahead. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's the wizard guy. She has which, a higher jump than the others, too. Yes. And mm-hmm. she's generally faster. Um, mm-hmm. And then there's the wizard guy, which we talked about, which he wrecks shop when he's casting magic, but if you don't have the points for it, he kind of sucks, because all he's got is this very slow stave animation, <laughs> and it's got a hell of a fucking uh re- it's got a hell of a cooldown on it <laughs> you swing that fucking thing you are not swinging for like a second um and then you get like an alucard like who kind of like throws bats around and he can fly he's great and he's real good um uh, the way that the way that n- not simon leans forward when she walks si- not alucard like is lean back with his arms crossed just like suavely strutting through <laughs> <laughs> the castle it's great yeah, it's it's yeah like this game it's it's top notch top shelf shit and i was honestly kind of surprised because yeah uh, I, I, I was so ex- ready to not like this game yeah i was yeah. so ready to be like i was ready to i was ready to fucking roll my <laughs> eyes out of my fucking head when i saw people i knew yeah. streaming it and then I, the more i watched the stream i was like holy shit this is fucking legit yeah, the way it came out of nowhere, like, literally, if you weren't paying attention to the Kickstarter, it's just like, oh, this looks like a sh- super cheap cash-in thing. Yeah. Like, it's only 10 bucks. What could it be? And you get, like I think you get oh, way more than $10 value out of this game. It's it just kind of like, yeah. it definitely overperforms uh, for what you're going to yeah. pay for it. Because I'm seeing people saying, like, oh, I like this way more than Castlevania 3 and stuff. Yeah, like, and I think that's totally fair, because I think that a lot of things about games like Castlevania 3 aren't very well designed. Yeah. So like, I, I revisited that game and it 
it gets pretty rough at the end. Holy like, shit, does it ever. Yeah, and this just doesn't. It's just completely smooth while still yeah. being short, fairly short, fairly punchy. Like, I had a real... Also, it has probably my favorite um, Michiru Yamane score. Holy shit, like, is she did it the music. so good. The music yeah. in this game is so good. There is not a bad track on this soundtrack. Yeah, this is the same composer as Symphony of the Night mm-hmm. um, at all. and But she just, I guess, maybe just doing it all with the 8-bit score, like... Yeah, it sounds it sounds like it sounds like it sounds like Family Tracker, but like it had some post production. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Whatever it is, it like really brings out just the good in her skill set. I think. Yeah, it's like like, it's got nice. It's got nice punchy drums, really stabby synth sounds. Like it's Mm. just like yeah, it's got those those gorgeous square waves that we all come to know and love. <laughs> like, it's just... And just really strong melodies. Oh, God, loud. yeah. Like, it's just... It is melody central. Like, it, there's so mm-hmm. many good tunes on this. Like like I said, not a bad track on mm-hmm. on it at all. God, that... The Nightmare Mode final boss, huh? Holy shit! <laughs> Woo! Woo! The game bugged out for me. When I got to that yeah, boss, oh first yeah, time. I said that and then immediately remembered that. That was a real bummer. <laughs> yeah, because it's such a cool moment. It's fantastic. Yeah. I love it. Like I still conceptually love it. Like it's not not at all. But like my first time there, I was like, uh, game, you're not. I know you're not doing something right here. <laughs> I know yeah. you are not performing correctly. So I had to reset and play the final stage again, which is a fucking nightmare. holy shit like this game starts out like about castlevania 3 and then ramps up to just under where castlevania 3 ends and and it's just got a nice smooth curve all the way much like like rex's penis a nice smooth curve to it yeah (laughs) i wound up playing go ahead right as someone who hasn't played like any of the castlevania games like the old ones Am I going to have a real hard time with this? I think that maybe, like, if you can play a 2D platformer, you can play this game. All that you've really got to get used to is the really super committed jumps. That's exactly what I was going to say. I've never been great with those jumps. But you will be totally, like, I think that it's definitely worth, you know, getting used to. Mm -hmm. Because it's, like, that game's so fucking good. Yeah. And then you can go back to the old Castlevanias if you want. Maybe you'll be better prepared for them. There you go. I went and played Chronicles re- like the other day. Just so I was like, oh, Bloodstained was really good. I want more of that. Castlevania Chronicles is good, but my god, that game's fucking hard. Yeah, it is. I still, had, I still managed to get through okay, though. Stage 2 is the I... worst for me. That fucking rising water area. <laughs> Fuck that in its ear. <laughs> 13 times, because goddamn, like, if I'm going to sit down and play that game, I know that that's where I'm going to be stuck for the first hour. Aww. I I am so bad at it for some reason. (laughs) Sorry, I'm I'm laughing. Oh, it's totally fine. I'm laughing with you. Yeah. I'm laughing on the outside, crying on the inside. Yeah. This is also, it also prompted me to go back and, um play more Shovel Knight after like four since I hadn't touched it in like four years oh yeah 
Should yeah. we just swing into that? Let's go ahead and swing in. That's a good Segui. You played more Shovel Knight, did you? Okay. I didn't really mean this is like a main topic. Oh, no, it's yeah, fine. Oh, no, we have to talk about this. We have to talk about because this. Because we've been asking you to play Plague of Shadows since it came out in, like, 2015, I think. So, like, yeah. three years. God. Like, literally, we kept telling John, John, it's a love story. You're going to love it. No, no, see, we never said it was a love story. We said, John, this is super up your alley. Wink, wink, wink. Please oh, yeah, play. yeah. <laughs> it, it was fine. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I had a good time. I mean, I, ha I had to put it down for a little bit, and then I got back to it and wrapped it up, and it was nice. I really like the movement. Um, Plague Knight's really fun to play as. He's really, like, yeah. exploding he's around a, everywhere. He's stupid fun to play as. Yeah. Mm. So incredible. Doing that opening level and being like, oh my god, this is awkward, and then by the time you beat it, like going back and starting a new file and just basically just playing through the first stage without it. touching the ground. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I don't know about that, but. I didn't have that experience where I restarted it immediately. Yeah. He, but this is my experience is like, he has a real fun skill ceiling, like with his movements yeah. and stuff. Like, cause like that game supplements you with a lot of abilities that you don't really need. So like when you go back and you're like, Oh, I could just, could just get through this with all the default gear. And like, that's probably actually his best overall stuff. Like I thought it was really cool. Mm hmm. Mm. Yeah, I like that too. I, I still, I mostly stuck with the default stuff and the, um, and the, save your butt, blue purple vial that you can spawn underneath you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, those are uh, those are very handy. Like you, you've got a lot of tools that you don't need, but the, like the tools that can save your ass are still just really fun to use. Mm -hmm. And just like the way you mix and match bomb casings, fuses, and um, and, and explosive types, it's just there's a lot of fun little minutia. To enjoy there, yeah, you can make yeah. some potions that'll just completely wreck certain bosses. Oh God, yeah, it's ridiculous. Except mm. for Propeller Knight is a motherfucker. God, yeah, because most of your shit aims downward, and yeah. he is above you most <laughs> of the time. How um how does it come? How much do they change the level layouts from the first game? A lot. Okay, because I couldn't remember at all. Yeah, a lot of the level design like, like if that's something they've done for all of them is that like all of the level designs typically are massively reworked, though they maintain a lot of the core ideas that the original level had. Um, but like the, the 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 two expansions they've released so far, like but just been really smart about how they reworked the levels so yeah. that like it's either not too easy or impossible or something like that. It's uh, just mm -hmm. like yeah, I've always found the difficulty in that mm -hmm. game to be absolutely perfect i found with plague knight like they would remove things that shovel knight had access to mm -hmm. and just be like oh you don't need you don't need a platform here just bounce over it yeah okay. but then with specter knight like i think those stages are just 100 percent different at that point yeah because of like the the hook mechanic that he has yeah his mechanics are just so different like that's something i liked about plague knight though is where it always kind of felt a little bit like He's a square peg in, in the levels around hole, where it's like he's <laughs> he's not built for some of these parts, so it's a little awkward. But that kind yeah. of fits his character. Yeah, it's very much his character, which is he's goddamn adorable. <laughs> so adorable. I love him to bits. I can't believe they made him hug. such a compelling character after the original game, where he's just kind of a boss. Just a boss. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And then you've got that awesome little plot with Mona that is. 
Man. Super, super sweet and touching. Like, the re- like just the whole reason he's doing what he's doing is for her, and it's so goddamn yeah. gorgeous. And the way they resolve that at the end is incredible. Mm-hmm. And the, mag- the magicist off to the side, like, oh, yeah, I like you. And, and, like, kind of feeling awkward because she thinks he has a crush on her. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the magicist is his low-key best oh, character. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god, that was fun. And yeah, Mona's super sweet. Yeah. And yeah, it's did, nice. Did, did you ever like <laughs> like like watch her dance for a long time? <laughs> there's like a I weird did. there's a weird achievement uh, for that if you watch for like two or three minutes or something, there's an achievement huh. about being a pervert or something. <laughs> <laughs> I probably came close. I didn't realize what I had to do, so I I just oh. unwittingly made it so that Show I just unwittingly role played as Plague Knight watching Mona dance for like a minute and a half. <laughs> oh, the very first time, right? Not during yeah. the credits. The yeah, very, yeah, the very, the first, very first time. I'm just like waiting for something to happen because it's like because like you watch the Triple King dance. Yeah. So, so I'm just watching Mona dance, and then the achievement pops up. I'm like, oh, am I supposed to do something here? <laughs> <laughs> and the dance at the end is you, you can't yeah. like like this. There's so much really cust- yeah, awesome custom sprite work going on there that they really fucking put a lot into that sequence, and it looks incredible. I want to pull up some John tweets about this game, but I won't. Yeah, okay. please don't. No. I- I had a nice time with it. I think I was just in a weird mood, so it yeah. didn't click with me. That's a shame. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure that... Yeah. And also, it's just... It's so much longer than Bloodstained, and it doesn't... And it didn't land... And I think Bloodstained's story just landed a lot stronger for me. Wait, is Bloodstained that short? Bloodstained like is eight stages. It's like fucking... Oh. Bloodstained yeah, is I mean, easily shovel, like fifty minutes to an, an hour. hour. It's like an hour and a half long, yeah. Oh, okay. But Shovel Knight was like five, so. But I'm like Shovel Knight's eight stages, and then the Wily Castle. <laughs> shovel Knight, Shovel Knight stages are like Mario Three Worlds, where every level is just taped together. They're massive. <laughs> yeah, they're just super. It's a long ass game, I think. Like I. I Four. I had like five hours for the first game, and then I ended it with like nine hours on Steam. So huh. I played through it twice. So Bloodstained was like, oh, I beat this in one sitting, and then played it again in two sittings, and then Plague Knight, I had to like keep coming back to it like four or five times before I just beat it in little chunks. Huh. So I think I think that played a lot into it too. Is like I just wanted something a little punchier. I think. Mm. Maybe you didn't play a huge RPG in the middle of it as well. Yeah, I did. Um, So yeah, that that was kind of. I I think it's a. It was a perfectly nice thing, and I really like the movement, um, especially. I think that like weird place for it. Should you find yourself in a different mood, I think you should revisit that game at some point. Yeah, I think. I think you might like some. I think you might like it a little more in a different mindset. I think if I believe once I believe in love again. Yeah. <laughs> Ouch. I think Steven Universe helped with that actually. Mm. Or did, like, new ones, a... it's like okay, maybe maybe this maybe love is real. Maybe. There you go. So where where is that show in seasons right now and how many are they confirmed for? I don't, I don't know, man. Are they I think like... it's near they're almost at they're either at the end or almost at the end of season five. Okay, and I so think they're... there's a season six confirmed. Okay. And that's all we know. 
I thought season five was going to be the end of it. But it's like, man, at this point, all I want is the story episodes. I don't want any more side stories. Like, I'm kind of over I mean, it. You <laughs> were, like, a year behind where I was. Like, you stopped watching around a Thanksgiving, and I stopped watching, like, this following Christmas. Mm-hmm. Some mm-hmm. shit went down, and I'm mm. sure, and I've heard some shit has gone down since then. Mm. Yeah, but also, like, I don't think you're losing much out by just like waiting until it's all out and then blazing through it. Yeah, yeah, that's probably how I'm gonna handle uh, that little issue. Yeah, I, I think I might got caught up. There's one thing I really need to know about because yeah. some, some light spoilers. Mm. I think they've resolved almost every like mystery at this point. So like, I'm excited huh. to see like what the next like conflict. 13 episodes of nothing. Oh, good. Uh, no, I nah. I don't know. It doesn't um, seem like they can go back to the towny episodes at that point. No, I think it's... I'm excited about it. Um, Rhett! Oh, right. Speaking of Steven Universe, I watched some anime. Oh, yeah? Yeah? Uh, I'll go through these pretty quickly, because they're not particularly interesting. Uh, I watched Girls... <laughs> good start! Yeah. I watched Girls Unpanza... Mm-hmm. This is the anime. Girl, tank girls, right? It's, it's Tank Girl, yeah. Um, I had a huge grudge against this show for like eight years because okay. Sora no Woto, Sound of the Sky, came out and was about five girls and they had a tank. Yep. And, and was incredibly unpopular because it was a good show and good shows don't sell well. And then Girls in Panzer comes out and is all light and fluffy and oh, it's a sports anime. There's no drama. Yeah. And comes like the fucking biggest series in the world for a few months yeah that was kind of my grudge against it as well yeah so i I finally happened to see a clip from the movie that was like incredibly dumb where they're like jumping the tank through the air and like ramming it into the barrel of this other huge tank (laughs) and they're like exploding bridges and stuff and i'm like Okay, this this looks like dumb fun that I could go for I mean, right it's now. A, it's like that. basically tanks doing professional wrestling. <laughs> yeah, t- <laughs> tank wrestling. So yeah, that's actually a fairly accurate representation of that show. Is that it's called Girls in Panzer, and like it's actually a pretty much a fifty fifty split, content wise. Mm-hmm. You got girls, like, and then you've got the tank. Yeah, <laughs> and like. There's a lot of tank action in this show, which I just wasn't expecting. Like, you expect, like, they're going to drag it out for, like, three episodes, and then, oh, fine, we'll throw him a bone, like K-On basically did. or And then at some point, that just dropped the music aspect entirely. It dropped the music aspect by episode five. Yeah. This, on the other hand, like, takes a couple episodes to start getting going, and then they go into the big tournament, and that's, like, over half the show is just almost nonstop tank battles. Oh, my God. It's kind of crazy. And, like, they mix the sound so that the tanks are just way louder than the dialogue. So every time they fire, like, my desk would shake. (laughs) Like, it's fucking loud. It kind of, like, I think that that's a cool audio decision. Yeah. Because it actually, you know, like, it's not fucking quiet inside a tank. Yeah, it makes them feel so strong and imposing, which kind of clashes with the fact that the girls will just watch the battle from outside the tank. Yeah. As shit's whizzing by them, and they're like, it's very unlikely we'll get hit. They're not like, oh, these are safety shells. They're like, no, we're, we're probably not going to get hit. <laughs> so I'm just waiting for the, on a very special episode, oh, God, she she's just gone. Oh, she God. <laughs> she actually got turned into paste. Yeah. But you, re- you know that's not actually no, ever going to happen in the show. No. 
This is a show with <laughs> zero consequences. I wouldn't go, go quite that far, but it's just like, it's basically a tournament sports anime show where it's like, okay, there's eight teams. Who's going to win? Oh, it's the main character's weird. Oh, wow. of course. <laughs> weird. <clears throat> and then there's the movie, which is basically the high school teams, which is the main show, versus a college team. Oh my god! But but then they do the dumbest thing ever, where the leader of the college team is like this super advanced prodigy, so she's like ten, so she's actually way younger. Because yeah, you know, because, because anime. anime, yeah, basically. But the movie's crazy because it's like one fight at the start that's like a half an hour long, mm. then character stuff for a half an hour, and then the main battle is like a solid hour, and that's the rest of the entire movie. <laughs> It's just like, hey, like that's what you're really kind of here for is girls in tanks blowing shit up. And like it delivers on that premise in a way I just kind of never saw coming. Right. Uh, and then I was in Sorano Wipto. I didn't catch I mean, what, did you, what did you say? I said better or worse than Sorano Wipto. Hmm. Worse, for sure. Like yeah. that's I, favorites ever. I like, haven't even watched that for years. Like, that show's weird because it is super slice-of-life-y, kind of light and fluffy towards the start, and then it gets weirdly dark. It's got a mood that it's setting. Yeah. It kind of blindsides you, though, at a point. Yeah. And you're like, uh-oh. Like, oh, wait, war's fucking really real. Whoops. Yeah, it's a, it's real shitty. It's like... What was that show I watched? Uh, Girls Last Tour. Yeah. Yeah. But, super light for like seven episodes and then it gets super dark mm. <laughs> something like that that's mm -hmm. a... but yeah girls and panzer is like not trying to be anything serious no it's just dumb tanks doing dumb stuff like the final battle is like a one-on-one -on -one fight and that she like does this maneuver to like drift the tank <laughs> <laughs> i'm pretty sure <laughs> tanks can't do that if you drive him real fast and then fucking pull, like, turn as hard as you can. Oh, is that so how it goes? Is that how it goes with a tank? And, like, and, like, flip it onto its side. You'll you'll drift a bit. <laughs> it's literally <laughs> a three-second drift, and then it just fucking can't move anymore. It's the sa but, most sad and pathetic drift ever. Yeah, but all you need is one shot at that range when you're, <laughs> like, pulling your barrel fucking point-blank on him. Uh, and then I watched another show that does not really live up to its potential, which is New Game. Mm -hmm. Ah, This is a show about a girl who... Oh my god. Like, so anime does this thing where they just draw middle schoolers now yeah. and go, she, she's, and 18. she's 18. Yeah. yeah. So this show is incredibly guilty of that, but that's kind of irrelevant to the plot. A uh, girl fresh out of high school joins a game developer company as a character artist. Mm-hmm. So it's like, oh, it's a game about, it's an anime about making video games, and then it just kind of never delivers on that premise, like, whatsoever. Yeah. It's very much cute girls doing cute things. And what frustrates me about this show is at times there are sparks of inspiration of a greater plot that it just kind of never delivers on. Because mm. season, so season one, they make a game, which is basically main character makes like three character models a couple episodes pass and then like the game's done and i'm like okay whatever uh-huh uh season two starts they're like they're brainstorming for the second game so everyone in the company submits character designs 
and everyone's like, oh, well, obviously this character, who, this person who always does our character designs is going to get the job. And the executives look at her designs and they just throw them in the trash. They're like, nah, not this time. And they end up picking oh. somebody else. And that character's like, has this moral crisis of, I joined this company because I was so inspired by her artwork and now I'm pushing her out of a job. Like, is that really what I wanted to do? So it, it sets up this real kind of moral crisis and then backs away from it in a kind of cowardly uh, way. It's kind of like, unlike, um, there's a show I've got on my Crunchyroll to watch list called Girlish Number, which is about create that like them working on an adaptation of a light novel of a shitty light novel <laughs> and like having to try and take pride in being the uh, studio that's doing that and like you have this main character that's very spoiled and bratty and just like she wants success just because you know she's wants to be successful uh, but doesn't want to uh, work for it She's a voice actress uh, for one of the main characters in the show that they're doing. And it sounds like that was, this is way more biting than what uh, New Game is going for. Oh, yeah, for sure. Like, New Game just kind of presents this idea and then resolves it in kind of a weak way. And then has some, and then basically moves away from those characters for like the entire rest of the season. Ooh. And then it's just like, oh, we're going to talk about, we're going to, like, season two introduces way too many new characters. And then it's like, oh, yeah, let's have. does that so much. Yeah, it's like, like lately. Oh, they told introduce... me about Citrus, where they just kept introducing new characters to the back half instead of, like, yeah. having a conflict, a story. Citrus is just resolve conflict, introduce new character who brings new conflict. Resolve that, introduce new character who brings new conflict. Resolve that, oh, the show's over. Yeah, like oh, it just, so it just goes through the same plot like three times in a row. <laughs> Very frustrating. Like another thing, New Game does that you see where they could go with it in an interesting way is have the game story like parallel what's happening in the real world. Because mm -hmm. there's there's a whole episode about them designing the final boss character and her going through like, well, what should this character be? And they eventually decide on like a little girl. Of course they do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But, like, they never follow up on it, really. Even when, like, the game is done and, oh, the story's done and they never, like, talk about the final boss character again. Mm -hmm. Like, you could see how somehow, like, the arc the character goes through in the game could mirror the arc the character in the real world goes through. Yeah. And there's just, there's none of that. There's, like, there's so little game stuff in there. It's just... It sounds like there's so little writing. <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot of girls just hanging out and doing stuff and way too many characters and one of the characters is super annoying in season two and kind of made me hate it because mm -hmm. she's kind of like that character and she's the show Polly just mentioned where she wants to become successful at any cost basically so she's just kind of a rude bitch to everybody else yeah. it's just like this is fake drama this is not entertaining this character is just insufferably annoying oh mm -hmm. my god so it's a fine it's not show. gonna fall through with it in the real way like yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Girls and Pence is better. Because <laughs> you get tanks. Every time you say the name of that show, I keep hearing you say Girls and Pantsu. <laughs> I, I bet if you look, that's a doujin. Probably. Oh, man. Can I just tell this dumb story? So, as no. I do after liking a show, I look for merchandise. Mm hmm. 
So I type girls und into Amazon and it autofills with girls underwear. <laughs> and I'm just like, nice try, Amazon, but that's not what I'm here for. And then, and then, nice try, Satan. And then your mom sees that search history and is like, oh my. My little red has got some explaining to do. It's that's an anime next season. It's called Mom, I'm 36. <laughs> Stop looking at my search history. <laughs> oh. <laughs> what? <laughs> no. Nothing at all. Yeah. <laughs> Life is good. Watch any other animus? Yeah. Uh... I started that one people hate, Darling in the Frog Spot. I'm only like an episode and a half in. So keep me updated. I hear like Trigger kind of just dropped off halfway through that show, and now it's just A1 making it. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, that. hmm. I've heard that show goes places in the last few episodes. Like, I'm not watching this because I expect it to be good, which is not the mindset to watch something in. No. Like, I'm I'm watching it because I expect it to be bad and, like, code geese levels of stupid. Geos. <laughs> code geese. Oh, my God. That's like a first-year <laughs> throwback geese. right there. Yep. That's a first-year cast throwback for all you listeners out there. All oh, one of you. Mm. All right. So that's the an- well, is that is that our, our is that our anime corner then? Are you guys expecting me to say some other anime? Because I can't remember what else. No, I, I was just okay, I was just okay, genuinely that's... curious if there was more. Because you know, we I kinda... wa- I, wa- I watched two episodes of Arya, the show. It's taking me like a decade to get through. Arya is good. Arya is good. One of the episodes made me like fall asleep. Yeah, it'll do that. Ep- and then the next ep- next episode made me cry. But I'm like. Okay, neither of these are good shows to watch at work. <laughs> <laughs> when are we going to watch Fate Zero, Rhett? When are we? You, you've been I'll wanting, to do, this. You. You've been wanting oh, to do this for 8 million years. And it's just like, oh, I've got Crunchyroll. <laughs> oh, is it on Crunchyroll? I'm pretty sure it is. It was on Netflix for ages. Yeah. Oh my god, there's some new Fate series on Netflix that has like a Kingdom Hearts name to it. Fate Apocrypha. Fate Apocrypha. Oh, there's like an even newer one now where it, it oh, has shit. like Fate it's extra like bullshit. Fate Extra Final Prologue or something. It's like a Kingdom Hearts name for real. I'm like, uh, are you serious? What's Kingdom Hearts? I don't know. I don't know. Maybe yeah. we'll find out after we take a five after minute break. Five minute break. I was gonna say after this commercial break. <laughs> we'll catch y'all in like five ten minutes. Get up, stretch your balls out, do all that fun stuff. We will be right back.
now we're officially back. There we go. That's how you run a podcast in this goddamn country. So, um, first, a, a small thing that I played. I won't talk. I won't spend a lot of time. Uh, game kind of caught me by surprise. I played it the same weekend that I played through Bloodstained. There's a little game called Monolith. It's a oh. it's a top down roguelike uh, bullet hell shooter that's basically uh, Enter the Gungeon but done right. Mm-hmm. But I think Enter the Gungeon's kind of slow and boring, whereas this game is fast, frantic, and mm-hmm. actually fun. It's got a lot of the same <laughs> things that uh, Enter the Gungeon has. There's like a you know sort you know number of different type of weapons you can use, and they all have different kind. You know they come with randomized uh, ammunition. Certain little quirks, like how many, uh, you know, how much ammo is in your clip, yeah. things like that. Uh, it's just, yeah, it's got a lot of fun little balances like that that kind of keeps every playthrough interesting. It's obviously yeah. kind of, uh, it's got that warp mechanic where you can warp to any room that you've completed, which makes play like, which makes each playthrough just like a breeze. Um, but, I really like how the weapons come with like little random modifiers. Like, yeah, one, you, one you problem I had with them. One of the things, the, you, one of the things, one of the things you unlock uh, are keywords, and like those are things that will appear later as modifiers to any weapon you oh, find. So cool. that's really cool, and it's got like one that. Of the things in Enter the Gungeon is that the guns were just kind of the guns, like they didn't ever change, and they're not it's like very good. I don't find yeah. many of the guns in Enter the Gungeon that fun at all. Yeah, so the fact so that the like guns I have are a problem for that game, yeah. for that game considering the title. I mean, there's a lot of guns, and everything in the game is a gun or a bullet. Yeah. But the guns themselves aren't very fun to use. But, like, because Binding of Isaac is just, you have basically one weapon, and everything modifies it. Mm-hmm. And then Enter the Gungeon's the other polar extreme, where the guns are just never changing. So this kind of is in the middle a bit. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like, I, I just really like this game. Like, if you've played a bullet hell shooter or you are, or, or you are in any way good at them, uh, you'll probably br- breeze through most of this game's content in, like, a day if you just, you know, sit down and commit yourself to playing more than one run. Like, I finished the game on, like, my second run. Um, <laughs> and it's got, like, cumulative upgrades that you get and things that persist between runs and things, like, a certain currency that you accumulate during each run that you can use to buy new things that'll pop up during each run. Kind of that, and, yeah, um, it's sort just, of pseudo-roguelike like where you've got a progression over the multiple runs. Yeah, yeah and it, it keeps you playing. It's, cool. uh, it's got super fucking solid control. Uh, the hitboxes are amazingly accurate. Um, which It feels know, really good. Yeah, it is one of those game feel games for me where it's just like it yeah. just feels real good to play especially when you start working in the dash and how to use it and things like that uh i never felt that the dash was 100 percent necessary mm-hmm. but it's real fun to use um <laughs> and yeah like i said the hitboxes are super fucking just on point like you can weasel your way through some real tiny cracks and between bullet <laughs> patterns and it just feels real good to do uh, and things blow up real good, and the weapons are fun to use, and just because there's such a smaller set of them, and they're all focused, um, and, you know, the modifiers, of course, that makes everything fun. So, yeah, like, Monolith, it kind of, like, was a surprise. I was not expecting it to be a game that I would pick up and, you know, spend an entire day addicted to, but yeah, I had a good time with it. You played it too, didn't you, Rhett? 
Yeah, I played a couple of playthroughs. I beat the game, but I haven't like done the whole unlock the four keys things to mm. get the true ending or whatever is down there. I like this game because it's got that NES feel, but it almost feels like a dark NES game. Yeah. Where it's like an evil version of Guardian Legend or something. Like, it kind of has that Irem feel, I think. Yeah, I think that's definitely a, 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 fair, a fair comparison. Good game, Monolith. You should check it out. Oh, yeah. So you played two action games that both kind of surprised you with their goodness. Yeah, like, I was, yeah that's I was, really cool. I was pleasantly surprised with both. I was very happy with that. <laughs> Uh, but then, like uh, earlier today, uh, I put the finishing touches on a game I've been working on for, turns out, not that long at all. Uh, <laughs> not I kinda... that long, but also very long. Yeah, it's a pretty <laughs> long game. But like, like, I started playing it June 27th, and I finished it today. So, God. I don't know. Yeah, I, I was honestly surprised Like when I saw my it's first like... screenshot of that game was June 27th. I was like, whoa! It's like me blazing through Persona 4 on a summer break. Yeah. Yeah. God. Um, so, like, back in January, I put the finishing touches on uh, the Legend of Heroes Trails in the Sky series, which, I mean, like, love it. Like, it's just mm. a brilliant fucking series. Like, top echelon of RPGs ever. I will hear no arguments. <laughs> um, so, I started playing uh, the Legend of Heroes Trails of Cold Steel, which is a direct follow-up to that series, uh, but it's not like a direct, direct follow-up because there are two games in between mm. third... Zero no Kiseki. Yeah, there's Zero Something. no Kiseki and Ao no Kiseki, uh, both of which are, they, they take place in Cross Bell, which is kind of like a, st- a, 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 a country that is kind of caught in the middle of two other countries that don't like each other, but both countries kind of claim ownership of this country. <laughs> so, um, Trails of Cold Steel dives a lot into that conflict because it takes place during uh, Ao and Zero, um, and while also taking place two or three years after Trails in the Sky. Uh, so it's like... This takes place in the Erebonian Empire, which is mentioned a lot throughout the Sky series. Yeah, is... I was about to say, like, oh, so this is the Air- this is the Empire. Like, that is the... I think that's really cool. Yeah, and, and, and throughout the, the Sky series, you're kind of given some insight into Erebonia and, it like, how it's set up. It's a very kind of rigid nation that kind of values nobility uh, and royalty and, like... Uh, it's just kind of, it's got this like cl- class system that like would just make you real angry, and it does. It's real good at doing that, whereas Liberal is very not like that. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's like Liberal is very much more of a modern society, even though like the Erebonian Empire resembles a modern society more with, you know, where it's placed because it's much more higher tech. Um, it's very sleek, very clean. Uh, like, there's very little in the way of, like, some place that you would call the boonies or something because everything's just so very city-like. And um, Trails of Cold Steel takes place at a military academy. Um, and um, the main character is Reen Schwarzer. He's uh, kind of, like, caught in the middle of being a noble and not a noble and he is a member of class 7 which is a new class that has been put together there's like classes 1 through 6 which have kind of been like separated by here's the group of nobles and here's a class of commoners 
And class seven is this small kind of experimentation that somebody behind the scenes has put together that is kind of intermixing nobles with commoners uh, of various backgrounds uh, to kind of propel that story forward. And like this, this game values its kind of like political back and forthing a lot, which is kind of what I wanted uh, because you learn a lot about Erebonia in uh, Trails in the Sky, but you kind of like don't get much of the political wrangling, uh, at least not as much as you do in uh, just even in the first installment of Trails of Cold Steel. Like it, like the 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 political climate is li like very dire. And but it's kind of got this front facing like, no, we have to make it look like it's not fucking dire here uh, mm -hmm. and that everybody's a fucking scumbag. Um, <laughs> and, and you kind of like just you are this class that are sent on various field studies around Arabonia <laughs> to kind of like to, to, to kind of get the lay of the land. Like it functions very similarly to how Trails in the Sky one uh, does and that you're kind of sent on these field studies around all of Erebonia to kind of get, like, what are the different, like, places around Erebonia like? And everybody, and, like, nearly everyone that you're in a class with, you end up going in a field study to where they are from to kind of learn more about them, their culture, their families, how they're pulled up into this political and industrial machine that's going on. And compared to Sky, like, it's got more of a rigid feel to it. Like, this has, like, you know, like, you're going to class. Like, it's got a very strict schedule about things. Like, your day is always set up like a school day, you know? And, and like, uh, it doesn't have, like, a day-to-day -day persona calendar uh, or anything like that. But, you know, things do happen on, you know, like, you know, you will always have your field exam on the, uh, you know, like, the 13th of every month or something. And there will always be a <laughs> practical exam. Um but it's nothing that's like time sensitive. It's still a fairly mm -hmm. linear kind of game, much like the yeah. Sky games are. It just kind of presents itself as not being that way. Um, and it's kind of just like what you want out of these kind of games. Like if you dig what Trails in the Sky is doing, like I think that Trails in the Sky is almost integral to this experience because having played Trails in the Sky before Trails of Cold Steel... And, I, and I've been told otherwise. I've been told otherwise that I'm wrong about this. But I think that you really need that information and, like, the things that you're going to pick up on in Cold Steel are going to hit so much more when, like, you notice a character or notice something they're talking about um, or characters that may be making a return. It's just, like, that stuff's going to hit way more and I could see how this game would feel real fucking dry without it. Um, mm. at, at least for me, that's just how it looks on, you know, just from what it, knowing what I know about Sky and then having played through Cold Steel now, it's just like, I don't know why you would want to skip that experience or at least skip the knowledge. Um, uh, and the first hour and a half of this game is kind of trash, uh, honestly. <laughs> is uh, it super cliche high school stuff. It's very cliche. Oh, like, so, somebody a girl falls onto a guy and her boobs get smushed in his face and they have a uh -oh. real big oh, and they God. have a real big tiff about that for like a month. 
<laughs> like, this girl is all up in this dude's shit for, like, a fucking month about it. Oh, my God. That's kind of funny in the way that they just drag it out forever. And, like, the <laughs> fact that this game just shows every single day instead of, like, fast-forwarding a bit. This game fast-forwards. Oh, it does. Yeah, it's not Persona where you play every single day. It um, sounded like that when you were like, oh, and you have the thing on the 13th every month. Well, there are things like, that happen on certain days yeah. of every month. Like, every few weeks, you will have a practical exam followed by a field study. Like, the, like it's got a very rigid structure in that sense. Um, but there will be points where it's, like, three days later. Yeah. Like, it'll just okay. roll the calendar forward two weeks. Okay. Okay. School was happening. Gotcha. Um, but, yeah, she stays pissed at him for a fucking month over this dumb shit. Like, oh, my God, are you kidding me? <laughs> But then, like, the rest of the game is, like, 100% top-notch, like, really good storytelling. They're really good at pushing it forward. Again, they have to, like, make you care about a new cast of characters while trying to balance out the fact that also this is connected to another series of games. So we've got to be really tasteful with how we drop that stuff in and not be too on the nose. But also, you kind of want to push that since this is a very connected series. Yeah, yeah. It's a shame we don't have the the zero and owl games. Yeah, that's what I'm wondering. It's like, is there stuff in those games that's going completely over your head now? Yeah, I I would definitely say that there is, uh, especially with a couple of the more major moments um, towards the end mm-hmm. of the game that happen. Because, like I said, like this happens at the same time as the Crossbell arc, and um, Chelsea had told me that a thing that happened in this game, like, it's elaborated on a lot in, um, uh, the Crossbell arc, the, the Crossbell mm-hmm. side of things. So, mm-hmm. um, I know that there are fan translations, yeah. uh, and and stuff, but, heard, yeah, I'm, I'm just wondering how good they are, basically. I know that the, one of them is being retranslated and re-released because the initial release uh, was bad, so... Apparently they're working okay. on that, but, like, I don't think X-Seed is gonna be getting to... Like, they've expressed interest in uh, doing uh, the crossbell arcs and people won't get off of their shit about it anytime. Like, and you, you gotta <laughs> feel, you gotta feel bad for Xseed because they can't announce anything new without every fucking reply being where's cold steel three and where's the crossbell arcs, even though they've, okay, expressed- like I understand not asking for, for the crossbell arc, but like, where's Cold Steel Three? Please, please. I just want them to like say. No, you see, have I only it. want them to announce it because so that Nisa doesn't. That's yeah, it. That's it. That's I don't need happens. a date. I don't need a date. I don't need anything. Just say, just like Falcom. Tell them that it's okay to say yes. We have it. But um, what if they don't? Uh, don't even. <laughs> I don't even want to think of this series. <laughs> hey, in... did you know that Yeez Eight on Switch is fucked up again? Oh yeah. Yeah, that yeah, Nisa has had charm. Nisa had three fucking shots at East Eight, Ooh. and they botched every single one of them. Ooh. Except the PS4 version is playable and, and good now. After though. a lot of patches and retranslation and redub. Yeah, and the Switch version won't be one hundred percent quote unquote fixed until like the middle or late July. So, well, that's not true. Uh, yeah. Why did they have a different translation? They didn't have a different translation. It's just well, that they like... didn't insert the translation patch properly, so a bunch uh, of dialogue just doesn't show up right. How the fuck? That's that. That might be worse, actually. <laughs> uh, 
it's just incredible. <laughs> they just kind of like dumped it in there and shipped it out. Fuck it, it's good. Nobody tested this shit. <laughs> uh, on point. You imagine Cold Steel three with them. I. It'll be like those Final <sighs> Fantasy games where they completely retranslate the references to older games. Oh God. Like, like how Final Fantasy IX is a bunch of throwbacks that didn't get translated properly. Yeah. I would be so mad. Yeah, that, so that's why I understand people begging XC to announce that one. Oh, but man. Um, this is like, so, so getting back to Cold Steel. Yeah. Um, like, the story is great. I, I, I just finished it. That game goes full on like 255 mile an hour in the last two fucking hours, and it's incredible. Does it go anime? It. Hmm. You know what? To agree, I'm gonna I'm gonna say yes. Okay. Uh, it's not fully <laughs> like, anime yet, though. But I have a feeling with something that was introduced during these moments, the next game we're going full fucking anime. I doubt it was a giant robot. <laughs> I'm not saying anything. <laughs> we mecha now. I'll just say that I didn't expect the game to go where it's going, but it also fucking earned it. Okay. And it's real fucking good. I was very happy with, with that. Um, the battle system is, it, it, it's kind of just like a, a, a more 3D-ized version of the battle system that they've been using uh, since Trails in the Sky. It's not exactly the same. Uh, it's got its own kind of, like, like, it's been streamlined a bit. Like, a lot of the stuff, like, like Orbments and, and, um, uh, and Quartz, they're way simpler now. Like, it's not like, like... Trails in the Sky Orbments, like, I'd have to take, like, ten minutes to explain to you the intricacies of why they work the way they do. Uh, it's a good system, and I like it, but maybe it could have been dialed back a bit. And I, I feel that maybe uh, Cold Steel maybe dialed it back a little too much. Like, I, I wasn't feeling the Orbment system, and I'm, I'm still not entirely sure that I want, I'm 100% in love with it. But I know that this is kind of what we're sticking with for the next three games, so I'm <laughs> yep, okay yeah, with it. You don't think they'll kind of add in com some com complexity in the sequels to this one? I'm not sure. Like, like, and I'm staying as far away from reading anything about this series as I True. can because yeah. I don't want to fucking know anything. Um, mm -hmm. you know, I just... remember people being annoyed knowing that there's a fourth game mm -hmm. because then it means three's not the end. Yeah, <laughs> but like. Some spoilers are just literally impossible to avoid. Yeah, like like, yeah. like I've been watching After Five play through the Sky trilogy uh, lately, and uh, like people in the, his chat have been saying that like Trails of Cold Steel one and two are basically one game. It's kind of Falcom getting too ambitious again, uh, <laughs> and they ended up having to maybe cut it in half and make another game. Um, given your playtime on this one, no, it sounds like it's two games. <laughs> like, was it 70 hours I, or I something finished, before? Uh, my in-game file time is like 65 hours. Yeah, like, that's enough for one it's game. A it's a lot. It's a lot. Um, yeah, but they've been saying that 1 and 2 kind of function as a good standalone story that leaves hooks for the third and fourth games, but it's not going to be as painful as waiting from first chapter to second chapter. Yeah. 
because that would oh my god that makes me feel a little better. I would like five years having to wait for that uh, I would have died so maybe like the relationship between second chapter and third yeah like, I think it's more like that like in that yeah. like three and four like three is still definitely necessary but four like maybe a little more tertiary to the experience I'm not huh. sure like I said I'm trying not to read too much about it I yeah. don't want to know I'm just playing these games when they come out and enjoying them that way I have Cold Steel 2 I'm not going to be diving into that one yeah. right away I'm, I need a couple of months uh, away from Falcom because mm. um, I, yeah, I, I, I played uh, I, play, I, I played Tokyo Xanadu X Plus and ended up just not liking it and then when I and then when I played Trails of Cold Steel, it was like, wait a minute, this game's literally got every fucking system that's in Tokyo Xanadu. Like it's literally the same fucking engine. It's the same like character animations. <laughs> oh no! It's a lot of the same models. Same. Uh. I think it uses the same text box, same menus, uh, same mini but it came games. First, right? Uh, Cold Steel came first, so. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. All right, Tokyo Xanadu. Yeah, Tokyo Xanadu, though, I also understand, was created by a group of younger talent in Falcom, so they probably were given a bunch of assets to told, like, go make a game, get you some experience, and then, you know, we'll move from there. Cool. Yeah, I bounced off that yeah, game that's... pretty hard. I gave my copy to After Five. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah, but, um... Kind of like see. Disney... Uh, any Disney questions? Animators uh... Giving the junior animators this oh, yeah. the DVD sequels to work with. Yeah. Uh, any uh, questions about Cold Steel before we move on? Uh, no, I really want to play it. I mean, I really just want. I just want to. I'm. I'm really happy that I got this big old series of RPGs that I can just like chew through at my leisure. That and be pretty confident that they're good. Oh yeah. Like, that's like, really nice. It's top-notch quality. I will say that I think the only thing that I really don't like about Cold Steel is that with the move to 3D, well, I think, you know, it's like, I'm not going to do anything like bitch about textures or model work or anything. That I don't give a shit. I think they're fine. What I liked, there, there was a thing that I liked in, in Trails in the Sky where their sprites are really expressive. Like, they do a lot mm. of expressive things with them, especially as the series goes on for second chapter and, and the third um, where the characters do a lot more in their poses and stuff, and they're just, they've got a lot of detail, and like, they, they script out nice little fights with those things, and they kind of just, you, they, they don't really have the budget to do that with the 3D models, so there's not a lot of action that happens in the same way. Like, a lot of the time, you'll get an action scene or something needs to happen, it'll fade to black, you'll hear some sound effects, and it'll come back, and you'll mm -hmm. see the after effects. Which, I mean, it's totally fine, like, because at the end of the day, they're still just telling a really good story, and I'm totally on board for it, but I just, I kind of miss that little bit of extra charm where you would see, like, Tita running up to hug Estelle, and you'd get that really cute hug ah. moment, and it's so adorable, <laughs> you know, like, little things like that that I miss that aren't quite there in uh, Cold Steel, but, um... What yeah. about when the girl falls down and her boobs go in somebody's face? Do they animate that? They don't really animate that. They kind of just show the after effects. What the fuck? <laughs> I mean, you get I you thought got for there. sure that was like the one thing they would animate. They got they got some real weird looking dance animations. 
Oh, there's some weird stuff going on. Some, uh, some, yeah. There's, there's some jank animation all over the place. But like again, Falcom is a small company. They operate on a budget. They budget sensibly, and they ultimately know that they're there to tell a good story, and that they don't have to have mm-hmm. like AAA fucking shit all over the place to to have yeah, a compelling yeah. game. Of course. So yeah, that's. So, uh, hmm? Are there games before Trails in the Sky in the series? Yes. There's Do a they bunch have yeah, Trails in the Sky is Legend of Heroes Six. Yeah. Oh jeez. Do the first five have any connections to the current story arc? No. Like when they started Sky, they oh. wanted to kind of start anew. They wanted to kind of just that's... wash it all away. Oh. Like, yeah. That's pretty. You cool. should go watch. You should go watch clips of the Turbo Graphics. Um, oh CD, God. Legend of Heroes 1. It's oh something. It's <laughs> something. It's yeah. something. It's 16-bit, but it has full voice, it has voice acting. It's real oh, weird. Geez. It's got that weird dichotomy where, like, when I play East Chronicles, I can't play with the modern music because it feels weird to me. Yeah. Uh-huh. So I have to turn on the old music. <laughs> but this is just, that is the game. That is what Legend of Heroes is. Yeah. Well, wait, no, maybe it was a PC-98 something or, what, or whatever, and then they remade it for Turbo Graphics or I mean, something. The Turbo Graphics had a CD attachment, so it was probably yeah. for that with, with all the voices. Yeah. So, but, like, the current games, like, starting with Trails in the Sky, they're all connected, but the ones before that aren't. That's yeah, um, good. That's Jet good. Storm, Jetstorm says 3, 4, and 5. There's some sort of connectivity there oh, going on. Oh, jeez. Like, look, you know, you just can't try, just start with I know. I have. I mean, I don't need to even know if the other games are in English. So, yeah, they are. There are one of them that there are two of them that are on PSP. They were remade. Oh right, they did the stupid thing where like they called the second one the first one, and they fucked up the naming, or they they released them out of order. Yeah, they went like two one three or something, or two three one. It was real dumb. Poor Falcom has had a rough go of it in the West. (laughs) Seriously. (sighs) Yeah. Oh, also, like... also, Trails of Cold Steel has an amazing soundtrack. Oh, I mean, that's but we expect nothing yeah. less of Falcom. Um. So, do I need to be familiar with um the other Dragon Slayer games to be able no. to enjoy this one? <laughs> no. Like this is. Is there anything all... from Dragon Slayer One that carries on into <laughs> Legend of Cold Steel? <laughs> I think. I think I can. I. I, I don't know one hundred percent for certain. But I would bet my life that there's nothing you would need to know that carries over. <laughs> I feel like I really need to play um, Legacy of the Wizard before I can appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, appreciate tra- oh, yeah. Trails at Sea. Yeah, you gotta, you gotta that, get the deep lore here. That game will yep. make you appreciate other games for sure. <laughs> yeah! <laughs> no goddamn doubt there. <sighs> I would laugh if, like, at the end of Cold Steel 4, they, like, throw some huge reference to, like, the original two games or something Oh, my else. God. That would be incredible. That would go over. Well, they make, they're making sequels to Xanadu now. That's Dragon oh. Slayer 2. Well, Tokyo Xanadu is not actually a Xanadu sequel. It's... Xanadu it Next, has, Xanadu Next probably, is a sequel. Hmm... Mm, that doesn't pass my smell be- smell test. No, nah, it does have Xanadu in the name of the game by the same company. I will get the interview with, with the president of Falcom, stating very specifically that Tokyo Xanadu has nothing to do with the original Xanadu series. That's what they want you to think. All right, 
Alright, so Xanadu Net next on the end gauge is a sequel to Xanadu. <laughs> Just get Xanadu next on Steam, it's the better version, probably. Yeah, I've seen clips of the end gauge version and then clips of the PC version. PC version Little better looking. A little bit stronger. Yeah, a little bit. A little bit, you know? John, when are you going to make a game for the end gauge? Oh, I'm already almost finished with it. (laughs) (laughs) You have to make a game for every platform. Uh, yeah, so, yeah, uh, you know, like, I'm going to throw a full throated uh, endorsement of uh, Trails of Cold Steel out there and just say, hey, Along with, you know, hey, go play Trails in the Sky. Like, that oh, series needs more uh, love. But but then again, I've seen a lot of people getting on it's that It's usually I've wagon. actually been getting a lot of love this year. I've seen a lot of people as yeah, well like, getting in on after it. After 5 just started it, John finished the first one. Freezing Inferno just finished the first one. Um, Rhett, where are yeah, you I'm at? Second one. I'm actually planning to jump into it real soon. Uh, what, was he, what are you sighing for? <laughs> you got good games to play. It's nice. Yeah. <laughs> Like, why are you sad about having good games to play? I, that first one just seems so hard to get into. It, like, John said when we did this last time, it is totally fair to say that if you're not into where that game's going by the end of the second chapter, you're probably not going to be on board for the rest. And that's not to say that by the end of the second chapter, that's all that game does. It's just mm-hmm. saying that, like, they've, they're planting seeds of things getting bigger, and, like, the second chapter is amazingly good. Yeah. And the, the prologue is the only part that's really just, like, not much. I, okay, so the real reason I'm sighing is because if I start over, I really should just replay the prologue again. I know, but the prologue's just a couple hours, and then you get into the good stuff. Uh, it's and... like seven hours. Only if you do the side quest. We found out by watching uh, After Five play that you can get by by selling a lot of time in Mirage Sepith for real good money to keep yourself in all the gear you'll ever need. <laughs> <laughs> Motherfucker yeah, never... Yeah, like a third of the side quests. Yeah, like you don't even have to bother. The okay. only ga- the only game that I will I will not let anybody play and not do all the side content is Trails Third. Like you, it is invaluable. But huh. but they and ha- by that point. But by that point. Anyway. But by that point, the side stuff is handled in a much different way. It's not side quest. It's something yeah. totally different. How's the side stuff in Cold Steel? Uh, it's very like you get uh like it's part of the progression of the main game. So, you're like, you'll usually get, like, one side quest you have to do, and then there'll be, like, one or two more that it's just like, hey, these aren't required, but if you want to do them, go ahead. But none of them, but it's not the only way you make money. In fact, you don't get money from side quests in Cold Steel. You just, like, you get Sepith Mass, and then you sell those, and that's how you get your money from just fighting. So, it has, it progresses a lot more like a normal, uh, a, a, a more modern RPG does. Cool. So that's Trails of Cold Steel. I I can't really talk about it anymore without spoiling shit, and yeah. I'm not yeah. going to be playing two for another couple months or so. Uh, but again, go play those games. They're beautiful and amazing, and Falcom is just incredible. Like Trails is like <laughs> low key their best series. So how cold is that steel? It's pretty damn cool by the end. <laughs> Who's the best girl? Who's the best girl? Uh, instructor Sarah. Okay. She's incredible. Oh, is she eye patch? No. 
No, no, she's the purple-haired instructor lady with the gun and the sword. <laughs> okay, that's a good start. She's sexy as shit, <laughs> and she's got a great attitude. I love her to bits. There seem to be a lot of cute girls in that game. Actually. In terms of in terms of classmates, uh, Fee is the best. She's the yeah. silver-haired girl. Who's short blue hair? Short blue hair. Who's short blue hair? I don't know. I thought I saw somebody like that in one of your screenshots. She has there's long. One, there's a long blue-haired girl named Laura. She's incredible. She has okay. a big ass sword. <laughs> also good. Yeah, she's got big old sword. It's pretty big. Bonus <laughs> says Ray Ayanami. <laughs> yeah, Ray Ayanami nailed it. Nailed it. All right. So, are so we, is it? Who is are we gonna pass to? I think we should just pass to John. Do we pull the bandage off now and get it over with? Trails of cold steel. More like trails of poop oh. out of a butt. Whoa! Listen to this guy. Trails of key blades. Oh. I played a real RPG. Oh, boy. Oh, man. <laughs> Get the pillow out. <sighs> I've had I'm one already out. laying on mine. Luxuriating. I played Kingdom Hearts. Yay. <laughs> you know what's funny? Is that I expected this to be like Fate, where I played it and like... Everyone would be in my feet and my mentions like sighing the whole time. Uh huh. Turns out like <laughs> everyone in the world loves Kingdom Hearts. Yeah, like, that's basically, fucking weird lately because all, all of these years on my Twitter, I've seen motherfuckers bagging on that series all the time. But ever since the goddamn Kingdom Hearts, Kingdom Hearts 3 trailer came out, everybody in the world is like the biggest fucking fan now. <laughs> Holly. Those trailers are pretty good. Like, I've literally muted Kingdom Hearts because I don't <laughs> want to hear about it. I wonder why you couldn't... <laughs> I wanted but to be muted. It looks exactly like Toy Story. Oh, my God. <laughs> Tinker wow. Gemini says Kingdom Hearts 1 is good. I have that game. I finished it. I disagree. <laughs> well, that's the one I'm talking about. It's... I really liked it. All right, so... I'm not going to bag on you the whole time. Go ahead. I know. Don't don't worry. Um, So, Kingdom Hearts 1. I think it's a game with a real strong start and a real strong finish and a bunch of of pretty okay Disney shit in the middle. It's got a bunch of flab in the middle. And then it left me... Well, it's it's only like 20 hours long, so it didn't take me... Like, I chewed through it in a week. Like, it didn't feel... If it had had, like, one one more Disney World and I would have been like, okay, I'm... I'm getting bored, y'all. But then it, but then it pushed into the, the whole like five or six hour end game made me pretty happy. Mm. Um, it's basically I got two, pretty good last dun, real good last dungeons after again after some, kind of some flabby bits in the middle. Um, what what anime did it remind you of? Oh, oh man! Don't make me defend that. Do it. No, I just want to deliver. I said it was like Utena a little bit. The st- the story it really lands the story beats that it needs to in the climax. I think um, it's just kind of it's a very simple broad like story. Like it it made me think of like Danganronpa one actually like the hope versus despair stuff. Um, only Danganronpa obviously has a lot more character work because it's got all the it has way more dialogue and time. Mm-hmm. Um, this is but just that sort of archness, I guess. Hmm. Um, or it's just that 
It gave me everything I wanted out of Final Fantasy VIII and didn't get. Oh, yeah, okay, that's a that's better. I'll accept that like, as an answer because Final Fantasy VIII had, gave me nothing. Yeah, it had like the core relationship between Riku and Sora is very strong, which is very similar to the relationship between like Squall and you know what's his face, uh, Seifer. Only they just completely nail that relationship. They just Everything about how they explore... Like, when you first meet Riku, you've... Like, when you start the game, you're on an island with a few other... With a few other characters. And, like, you fight a couple of those characters. Um, they're Final Fantasy cameos. And they're pretty hard. And then you go... But then you can beat them. And then you go fight Riku, and he's just really, really hard. Mm. <laughs> and then every time you try to re- refight him, it keeps track of the number of times you lost. <laughs> and he's like, Wow, I've lost 20 times in a row! Um, Do you actually fight him twenty times? I did as a kid. I, I remember oh. seeing it get that high. <laughs> I did not this time because I was like, "Fuck this!" And then like Riku comes back, and he his little bits are interspersed throughout the Disney nonsense. And then he has a real good climax. And then he had a moment near the end that made me cry. And <laughs> yeah, so they just had a relation. Again, it's like a very simple relationship. I think there are only like four original characters in the game. There's the jeez. Kairi, Riku, Sora, main villain. Um, and they just, the original stuff just lands exactly the way it needs to. Um, and I really liked the ending a lot. I thought, I thought it was cool and good and better than I expected it to be. Um, I thought the fighting was like, okay. Like it basically, fun- it's, it's dumb. It is a, like a functional battle system. Yeah, it's just kind of bra- it, yeah. it's brainless, but it does get kind of hard near the end, which is mm-hmm. which is probably it needed to. Yeah, Kingdom Hearts uh, Two looks way more brainless. Yeah, it does. Huh? Is the combat at all similar to Final Fantasy Fifteen? No, it's much uh, better. Okay. Yeah, Final Fantasy Fifteen's combat's garbage. Yeah, because <laughs> sorry, Rhett. for for some reason, no. I mean, I'm not defending the combat in Fifteen, but I always thought Kingdom Hearts was always kind of go for that same like semi real time. Like, you're holding attack instead of actually just doing no, it, attack. No, it's it all real-time, and you still kind of use a menu system throughout it, but it kind of, like... You have to kind of play it to get what it's trying to do. Yeah. Like, yeah. you're moving around, and you're still using a menu. Huh. You use the menu with the D-pad while moving around with the... You use the D- menu with, oh. like, the right stick, and then the... Move around with the left one. But yeah. you only use that to, like... And then there's a shortcut system for casting magic spells, so it's yeah. not, like... So hey, you can only of... have, like, five items at a time. It's Secret of Mana. It, it's, oh my it god, Jetstorm just said that! <laughs> I'm not looking at chat, I swear to god. Yeah, Jetstorm just said it's 3D Secret of Mana, but with a real-time menu. That's funny. Taylor says, John, finish Digimon Cyber Sleuth before I visit you, fucko. I would love to. <laughs> Somebody took my oh. PlayStation 4 and my TV, so I can't. I'm sorry. I need to play Cyber Sleuth. I w- that's 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 on my list. Really? Um, yeah. You think you think that's it? It's actually like poly good. It actually looks good. I've I've oh. seen I've seen uh, yeah. a couple of let's players I watch play a bit of it, and I thought, hey, you know what? I could probably get into this. Yeah. Main 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 character's hot too. Oh, that's a, that's a plus. <laughs> yeah, that's a real plus. Yep. Yeah, Digimon Cyber Sleuth really endeared itself to me at the beginning. Um, but yeah, the 
Jet Tom brought up, um, Hollow Bastion. It's this real good, big spooky castle, um, and that's all where all the really good stuff with Riku happens. It's like you spend like four hours there. That's like, the only and... part of the game that stands out to me all these years later. Yeah. <laughs> Fair. Um, and then they have a. They, basically, it's like they had the really good '80s RPG style Final Dungeon. Yeah. And then they have like the. And then they. Have, I thought it was really good. Like late '90s abstract PS1 RPG Final Dungeon. After that. Yeah. Which I also really dug. Um, and then they. So, again, like it starts strong. I felt a relationship with these characters right away. Then you play this kind of licensed Disney game feeling weird thing for, you know, 15 hours. And then you end strong. <laughs> I like that. Yeah, like, yeah. Five hours <laughs> of good content, ten hours of shit. Not shit. It's just, well, okay, there's also like the, the really niggling problem throughout the whole thing is, um, except like it, it has to be like that there are multiple teams working on it because some, the good stuff is oh. pretty much solid. But like they're really bad at event flagging. For oh yeah, most of the game. God! Mm. I remember like, wandering it's... around so many places in that game, not knowing how to progress. <laughs> yeah, it's you're wandering around trying to trigger cutscenes, and then wandering back to places that you have been already, and suddenly triggering new cutscenes, and that's the only way to trigger progression. Yeah, uh, it's it's exhausting. <laughs> oh yeah, I mean, I I did that for the Tarzan level, which was Ugh. very bad. Very bad. Um, and then for the rest of the game, if I got stuck, I just peeked at a guide. Yeah, you know, which, yeah. which is shitty, but it it meant that I didn't have as much pro- problems with that. It made me feel really good going back to Illusion of Gaia, where I could mostly just like play and <laughs> that, and you just had to keep playing, and that's all. And then you can have a good time. It makes Illusion of Gaia feel good. <laughs> back yeah. in the bo- back in the box quote right there. Uh but I thought the writing in Kingdom Hearts was a lot stronger. Like, there's... It's sort of like... it's It would, it would be really, really good on-point writing for, like, a dungeon-y... A, a play-focused game. Like, yeah. it's staying in the background for most of the game and just letting you fight through the areas. And then when it, the story does step to the forefront, it just... It nailed it for me. So... But then the play itself is kind of bad. It's janky most as fuck. It. <laughs> yeah, well, it's just really obtuse and yeah. clunky. It doesn't communicate well. And the fighting's fine, but they don't actually... There are very few levels where you're just, like, fighting through a maze, a dungeon maze. Like, there's Monstro, um, Hollow Bastion, the end game. but besides that, it's not really doing the beat-em-up thing. It's no. mostly just a... It's a wander-around, talk-to-people, solve kind of weird adventure game puzzles, but not really. Yeah. Hmm. It, it's like, it's just trying to be like, you know, all the puzzles you do in Zelda in order to, to before oh. you do the dungeon. It's like they made, that's one way to put it. It's, oh, here you are. What? There you go. Sorry, the, my speaker fucked up for a second. Okay. Um, okay, it's basically like they made a whole game that was all Sonic Adventure Hub World sections. Oh, <laughs> oh boy, that would, be, that would be fucking incredible. I mean, that's kind of it. Yeah. And, uh, which like, is, you know, bold. I would have, <laughs> but then, I, but I really would have liked it if they just had more straight 
dungeon yeah. beat-ups. If it was, you know, like Drakengard or something, where I'm just, just doing the dumb fighting, and it's functional, and then I get to the good story beats. But instead it has to do, you know, all the Disney shit. Um, yep. And I love Disney. So that was kind of weird that... But, you know, it's it's a 2002 PS1 or PS2 game. Like, it's not going to really compare with, you know, best animation ever. <laughs> no. You know what the structure um, this kind of sounds like to me? Yeah. Is how Psychonauts starts as a platformer that has, like, ten adventure game levels, but you're playing them as a platformer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then the last level is a super hard platformer again. Oh, yeah. But, like... It doesn't build to that. It just be, is an adventure game for ninety percent of it. Yeah, and then, like, and then it okay, just now, throws you to the wolves. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think the thing is that the the battle system would hold up to being like a ten hour game. So, yeah, <laughs> like the the progression with the battle system is actually really strong. Like right before the final boss gauntlet, there's like a ten minute sequence where you're just locked in a room while a door slowly peels open, and you just have to keep fighting and staying alive. And it's actually really tense. Yeah. and cool. But it does, um, sounds like it doesn't really build to that. No, it, it does build to that. because, oh, be, but, okay. but only because there's like the five hours of Hollow Bastion and then the little bits of fighting interspersed throughout the rest of the game. Yeah. Um, it's, it only needed like six or seven hours of build up because it's not that deep or clever or interesting. Yeah. But so, this game is like marketed as the Disney thing. Like that's kind of what people were there for originally. When the original stuff is why it's good. Yeah. Well, don't worry, because I hear there's way more of the original stuff in all the sequels. Exactly. Like, I kind of am excited about that. Yeah. It's going to be, like, way more original characters, a lot more weird, dumb bullshit, a lot more t- Nomura. <laughs> oh, gosh. Um, I, yeah, I want more of that, because that's the good part. Give me that Nomura. Because this was, it was a good story that landed. They just, it's, yeah, it's, it shouldn't have been as good as it is because it is like you know the square oh we made the D- disney game but then they final just fantasy, like the fact that there's all these little kid versions of final fantasy characters at the start is so weird yeah also that also they have like 10 final fantasy cameo characters introduced in the first hour and yeah then none and then it's just dead the stop the game. i think sephiroth's an optional final boss nothing else yep an yeah. optional an optional boss he's yeah. an optional Super arena boss, boss. God. So, yeah, that I, I yeah. tried playing this game like six times as a kid, and then always <laughs> gave up like three times hours in because it's so fucking obtuse. Yeah, and bullshitting. Yep. Giant Bomb tried playing through this game recently, and I think, <laughs> and I think they gave up on Tarzan World because they were just <laughs> these episodes were like eighty percent of them being lost. Basically. Yeah, that's that's, yeah, that's not that far game. off. So, and they weren't really paying attention either, so they were getting, like, extra lost. God. Oh, my God. But yeah, it's, it's amazing to me. Bad. It's amazing to me you saying that there's, like, four original characters in this game. Because from what I've heard, that's definitely not how it ends up. Where it's, like, mm. this whole organizations and all these characters and, like, characters that aren't in the first two games being super important in the third one. Yeah, exactly. Because of all, all the weird spinoffs. Because those Disney like, licenses get to... harder and harder to pay for. Yeah, but they're they're definitely paying them for the next one though with the all the Pixar stuff. Yeah. They got Frozen. Oh, there you go. Frozen. That's all you need. It's all you need. 
I want a Frozen world. I want to play that because I love Frozen and I love the Disney characters. It's going to make me so happy. And they got that super hot Pirates of the Caribbean franchise again. Oh, God. (laughs) That's the one that made me go, oh, fuck, it looks like Assassin's Creed now. I'm kind of interested. (laughs) Like the pirate one. Wait, is that in the new one, too? Uh, Yeah. Because they had that Pirates of the Caribbean level in Kingdom Hearts 2. So that's going to be 3D, 2004 PS2 fucking... What's the Johnny Depp? God. Oh, and it's the second one, yeah, I bet it looks yep. real rough. Because yep. it looks real good in the, in three. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, human characters are not going to age well. No. Yeah. No, not at I all. Went to, so I went to the store and bought Chain of Memories and 358 over 358 divided by two days. Um, so, you know, I might dive further into that. Totally. Just talking to just talking to Wuzzy about it, it sounds like it's a series where there's a lot of fluff, and then they have a handful of moments that they make land pretty well, and mm-hmm. I'm pretty here for that. I'm not but, here. I'm not here for eighty percent fluff and anything. I want. <laughs> I want to do shit that fucking matters. You want. You I want mean, to look at. Oh, look at Polly over here. She wants her <laughs> game to be good all the time. Oh. <laughs> what a fucking weird. Let's just. Uh, what a weird expectation! I mean, that's kind of how I would describe Final Fantasy XV, though, where it's just kind of this big mess of stuff, and then the ending lands incredibly well. And like, I like Chicken and Parts a little bit more than Final Fantasy XV. <laughs> Sorry. Hmm. I like Kingdom Hearts a good bit more than Final Fantasy XV. I know, but the ending of Final Fantasy XV is like infinitely better than it has any right to be. Yeah, you don't expect it to cohere at all. Like, you yeah. expect it to be dumpster fire, and then it manages to kind like, of pull it together. five scenes in a row all land incredibly well and super emotional. Yeah. Man, why? what was the rest of the game doing, huh? <laughs> <laughs> Too many cup noodles. Yeah. Too many cup noodles. God. So, yeah, Kingdom Hearts is probably... A not good series since I sort of imagine this is this might be as strong as it gets. Um, I've people heard... really fucking love Kingdom Hearts too. Wait, I thought that was someone people hated. <laughs> no, no it's both. It's both. Yeah, I, I think thought it... Kingdom Hearts fans love it, and then that's the it, I, I knew that because it's the one that Pat hated. So I and oh, I didn't play any Kingdom Hearts like... games for ages because Pat hated Kingdom Hearts too and put it on his worst games of all time list. I think it's like if you're a Kingdom Hearts fan, you have to like two. But if you like yeah. one and then hate two, then you're not a fan. But it seems like everybody likes one. Okay. Except Polly. <laughs> yep. Very, very. <laughs> Pretty understandably. Considering, again, all the stuff that's not super yeah. great. We have a guide. It moves pretty. It's pretty snappy. Yeah. Like it, it, each level kind of builds to its own little climax. With like, you fight Ursula and you fight them Oogie Boogie, and it's cute. It hits like the notes the... that it needs to during the that squishy Uh-oh. middle part, but they're not always good. It... Oh wait, there's a Nightmare Before Christmas level. There is a Nightmare Before Christmas level. It's pretty cute. All the characters. Uh-huh. I think the Nightmare Before Christmas level has some of the best like model animation like um jack looks w- a lot better than like compared with like the aladdin characters jack looks really good yeah well do they lower the frame rate to make it look like stop motion no no they don't uh, i think well, so it made me think <laughs> so so namura and all of his crew likes nightmare before christmas especially hmm weird <laughs> that makes sense 
weird. So, yeah, I, I I had a nice time, and I think I'd be interested in seeing more of the series. I want to play an RPG that's like good all the time before <laughs> two, before diving into more though. So I'm probably gonna try Trails SC soon. That's a good choice. Yep. One one final one thing about Kingdom Hearts. So you played the original PS2 release. Oh yeah. I am real curious if re-releases of that game, which there are many of, have added anything to make it connect to the sequels better. Because it sounds like kind of a one-off, like with yeah, a real strong ending right now. Yep. So I wonder if they like snuck some stuff in to kind of retcon it a bit. Into I the... think they do. I actually I remember uh... that they added, I think they add an org thirteen like um. Oh yeah. Uh, that's... That's yeah. weird. Yeah, that's weird. It's because it I'm definitely like, does not seem as much as they can. Was Kingdom Hearts two even the second game, or was like it was the third game? It was the third game. Memories. Okay. And they apparently you have to play Chain of Memories to be able to understand a lot of stuff in the beginning. Yep. Uh... <laughs> so immediately after one, then is when it started to spiral. Oh yeah. Okay. I mean, it's just—it's just a series of games that you have to play in order, and oh, some yeah, of them are not. Oh yeah, that's right. They did one point five final mix, and then one point eight final mix. <laughs> yeah, I look. I literally I just two point eight final prologue. Yeah. this is all prologue to three. All right, I, I stripped it down. It's just one chain of memories, two, three, five, eight over two days, birth by sleep, dream drop, drop distance, and then I guess there's that final prologue game that's two hours long. So like. Seven seven games total in like, or like six games total in like sixteen years. Like compared with like Assassin's Creed. Yeah, I don't know. Like Brotherhood. What even is that? Is it Taint Two? Is it what's Revelations? I don't know. Brotherhood <laughs> is the game after two, so it's the third. Oh, one. it's so confusing, Red. I don't understand. <laughs> I thought Ansem was the villain. What are you talking about, Red? I thought Desmond was the guy. Desmond died at the end of three spoilers. No what? shit! <laughs> what? People got so mad about that. Oh, they Assassin's Creed is so confusing, y'all. Ugh. I, I know what John's see... doing here. I know what John's doing here. I know what you're here, doing. And it's making me laugh. <laughs> the thing about Assassin's Creed is after they killed Desmond at the end of 3, everybody stopped giving a shit about the story, which was basically why they did it. <laughs> so they didn't have to care anymore. Yeah. yeah literally. Is Desmond in, like, the the two... There's, like, a trilogy of Assassin's Creed 2 Yeah, games, there's right? one, two, Brotherhood, Revelations, three, four, and then I kind of forget. 2.8 prologue. <laughs> <laughs> there's a GBA game somewhere. I don't even fucking know about the handheld games. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and no, one thing I know for certain, um, Chain of Memories apparently has, like, a lot of recycled areas from one... So why would anyone play the PS2 remake of Chain of Memories? Like, if, oh, now I can oh. see all these areas reimagined in 3D. <laughs> Wait a minute. Oh, because it was a GBA game? Yeah, they made a GBA game with pixel with really yeah. pretty pixel art that remixes a lot of the areas from 1. But then they remade it on PS2, so now it's just 1. <laughs> a 3D game. Or battles. And or, so, it's uh. just so stupid. But yeah, that's so, probably the version on like the compilations and stuff now. Yeah, like, totally they to is. They totally erased the old one. Some of those compilation yeah. versions, though, are apparently like 
Just cutscenes. Re- recap videos. Yeah. Yep. And I think they remade like the 3DS one entirely. God, that's funny. Yeah, the everyone I know that hates Chain of Memories that has talked to me um, played the PS2 one. The PS2 version. So, hmm. Funny that. Hmm. Yeah. So that's my Kingdom Hearts Kingdom Hearts experience. One's a solid self-contained <laughs> thing, I think. So with you know a bunch of faults, but adding <laughs> it. A bunch of faults that picky people like me are not going to look over. Because you want <laughs> things to be good all the time. I know. It's so weird to have that. Mm, I don't want to eat your peasant food. Let me have the feast all the time. Only your finest wines for Polly. So with that, uh, Kingdom Hearts done. I guess what? I guess you're gonna. I guess you're gonna take us home with uh, some Mario. The Mario. 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 Yeah. That was not good all the time. What are you talking about, Taylor? Nier Automata was good all the time, or I wouldn't have finished it. (laughs) I only finish (laughs) games that are good all the time, except the times that I finish games that aren't good all the time. Well, you quit them, and then you get mad. And I quit. Then you come I get back mad. <laughs> we have a po- back, we call like it the polycycle. <laughs> yeah. They they made a pop team epic comic about me. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck the, the shit! I quit. Throw the controller. <laughs> the end game climax was so good, though. I don't understand. I don't understand, Taylor. Are you talking you about know, King Hearts? Much better than King Hearts. Okay. We can all agree on that. Yeah. Probably not Wuzzy. <laughs> okay, stop looking at chat, because I can't see it. Okay. Go for it. So, yeah. I bought a Switch, and a shitload of accessories in Zelda. Yeah? And then I'm sitting there like, hmm, I sure did spend like $500 for one game. I should get some more games for this thing. So I bought Mario. Mario. That's, 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 that's probably a go-to. Yeah. Yeah, that was like the number two game I wanted on the system. Yeah. And last weekend, I fucking crushed through that game. <laughs> In, like, like two I days? It, I bought it Saturday afternoon, and Sunday evening, I defeated Bowser. Jesus <laughs> Christ! How many stars did you find? Uh, 204. Wow. Because <laughs> they are fucking everywhere. Yeah, that's game. sort of the thing that bothers me about that game, and the way I see so, people play it. It just looks so stilted and janky when you're just literally walking two feet and finding another moon. <laughs> there are definitely moments where they are just as densely populated as Korok seeds. Uh. And it starts to feel a bit silly. Uh-huh. Like, every time I fa- every time in Zelda I found a Korok seed super quickly after another one, I would I would clip it on the Switch because you can record a 30-second clip. So I would look back to see if I had found <laughs> two within 30 seconds. And then that happened a few times in Mario where it's like, Oh my god, did I just get two in 30 seconds? And the answer is yes. <laughs> so, that game's really good, but it still kind of left me a bit cold for some reason. Even So, I don't know if it's if it's because I like obsessively played like 10 hours on Sunday and then finished it. Because sometimes so, that'll color your final opinion on a game, yeah, I think. Yeah. How, how much end game did you, post game did you do? So, we'll get to that. Alright, cool. 
the answer being like zero. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But, but like, yeah, because I obviously may have burnt myself out a bit <laughs> after playing. Because you played it so right after Zelda. After. Just like and, poor me. Just like I did, basically. Only in reverse. So, like, that game's obviously not bad because it's incredibly fun and I was able to play it for, like, I got into it. Like, I haven't gotten in, into many games lately. Like, so I'll play a game for, like, 30 minutes and be like, oh, I'm good, and then move on to something else. This was like, I'm just gonna keep getting these damn moons and then see what the next world is. Fuck yeah, moons. Moons got like like a bag of Doritos. Um. (laughs) (laughs) Always gonna have a home here for that reference. That I don't think the movement in that game ever clicked for me, which is kind of crazy because like that's the whole thing, really. So like, what's, uh, what's different about it? What feels weird about it to you? Almost like... So I skipped 3D Land and 3D World. I've only played, you know, 64, Sunshine, Galaxy 1 and 2. Mm-hmm. So I'm skipping over the kind of off ones. Then mm-hmm. going back to like kind of that main successor to Galaxy. And the feeling I kind of had was like... Maybe it is time to reevaluate these controls a bit. Where it's like... Almost like they looked at Mario 64 speedruns and were like, oh, let's make a game for them. So you end up with this thing that's <laughs> way too technical for its own good. And it's mm. just like, why do I need like eight different jumps of varying heights? You're getting to be King of Fighters territory now. <laughs> yeah. Got eight different kinds of jumps. And the other thing that drives me nuts about that game is. The game is also incredibly afraid that you're not going to know the controls. Oh, so no. It does two things. One, when you're traveling between worlds, Cappy will just be like, hey, did you know about the guidebook that'll tell you all the moves? Here, let's read from it, and it'll tell you a random move you can do. Uh. Like, to ground pound jump, do a ground pound, and then jump immediately. Because that's a thing now. You ground pound, hit the ground, then jump immediately, and you go higher that way. What the fuck? <laughs> Which makes no sense. Like, no, not at all. So I, I like, guarantee if you try to do that on concrete, you're just going to shatter <laughs> your tailbone. Yeah, it's like kneeling before you jump with like the you know ZL and then jump, that makes a little sense. You're kind of building up to it and then jumping. This is just total opposite momentum. <laughs> you're yeah. hitting your ass to the ground and then springing off of that somehow. But yeah, the other reaction is equal and opposite reaction. The other thing the game does that is insane to me... So the main mechanic in this, in this game is that you throw your hat on enemies and can take take them over for a yeah. bit. If you stop moving as them for like three seconds, it'll flash the controls on the screen. Oh my god. In spite of the fact that all of them are two buttons. <laughs> and, one the, and one of them is always either jump or run. Yeah. So basically one button... I've had it tell me the controls in the middle of a boss refight, meaning I already beat this boss. I'm already, like, hit it twice. It's doing an attack. I stand still for a couple seconds. And the game is like, hey, did you know you can press B to extend your legs? Like, yes, game. I got it. Oh, my <laughs> like, God. That kind of over-tutorializing just gets on my fucking nerves. It, mm-hmm. it got on my nerves. It's just like, it's not offensively bad, but it's just like, why? And it's also a little weird that 
a lot of the captured enemies, you have to hold down a button to run, but you don't with Mario. That seems really counterintuitive. It's really weird. And speaking of counterintuitive, I played with the Pro Controller, and the first thing this game does is go, oh, you should play with the uh, Wiimotes or whatever they're called now. The two... The Joy-Cons. yeah, the two joy yeah. to play with them held separately because then you can do motion control. Oh boy! Well, just what everybody wants to do. This game shoves motion controls in so hard, and it's so annoying. So I mentioned all the captures are two buttons. They're actually three button, except the three the third button is always shake the damn controller up and down. Uh... So it's like, like you play as a frog, and it's like press any button to jump. Or shake the controller to jump a little bit higher. Oh, and that fuck off! Drives me nuts. All of them are like, just shake the controller if you want to go a little bit further. Maybe get that moon up there if you do that. Uh. And then Mario, like you press Y to throw the hat, but if you basically whip the controller out like it's a boomerang, don't fucking throw it though. He'll spin the hat in a circle, which is actually really useful. And yeah, I whip- that's the only one I kept trying having to do. Ugh. And then if you throw the controller up, he'll throw the hat straight up, which I literally never found a use for. But it's there, and it's just like this is a two-button game most of the time. You've got like, or I guess it's three-button, but you've got two face buttons and three shoulder buttons that are never used. And just can't you just put some of that stuff up on there? You know, or maybe not be so like obscenely technical. Or maybe in a just, Mario game. Yeah. But that's the thing where it's like they seem to design this for the speedrunners. And the yeah. speedrunners make looks, it look the speedrunners make it look gorgeous. Yeah, yeah. And it looks incredible. So <laughs> this game did one thing I just couldn't believe though, with all this tutorializing on the controls, they did a thing like that was shocking to me. They told me a new move in the last level. Uh <laughs> in the last level they say, hey, did you know you can air dive? And I'm like, what? Because I had done it once by accident and couldn't figure out how to do it again. To air dive, you press ZL, which is like your left shoulder, in the air. And then you know how Mario kind of spins, does a 360 in the air before ground pounding? Yeah. You do that. You, during that spin, you press jump again. And oh he'll, launch himself, he'll launch himself forward. That... So, it's basically kind of your equivalent of a double jump. And they don't tell you that till the very end of the game. What? <laughs> I broke Polly. <laughs> <laughs> but here's the even worse part. You watch speedrunners play this game, and they make it look so effortless, effortless and cool and all the crazy shit they're doing where they're throwing the hat out and then jumping off the hat and just making these incredible distances. How you actually do that is such a finger fuck that I can't basically do it. You've got to jump, uh, press Y to throw the hat out, mm-hmm. hold Y so that the hat stays in place. If you release it, then it comes back to you. Yeah. yeah if you release it, and the hat will come back to you, which is important in a second. Then you press ZL to start the ground pound spin, release, and extremely quickly press Y again to dive forward without the hat coming back to you. And then you'll dot, you'll do the air dash and land on the hat and get another jump off of it. Oh, God. That sounds so ugly to try and do. And that's when I was like, man, 
Hat and Time had really good controls because <laughs> that game literally has the exact same air dash except it's just a button. Yeah. So in that game, you just jump, double jump, which Mario doesn't have, and then if you press attack, it does an air dash exactly the same as the Mario Odyssey one. Yep. And it's just, you don't have to mess with holding buttons down at certain times and hitting a shoulder button, and it's just like, man. It just feels kind of way overcomplicated for its own good. Yeah. And it feels like an overcorrection from 3D World where they streamed, where they took out like almost all of that. Like, it's yeah. just... Yeah, and people were jumping. super happy when they added it in, and I'm sure the speedrunners are super happy. And it does look cool if you get good at it, but the game's also not hard at hard enough to nearly justify it on a single on a regular playthrough. No, because mm-hmm. like I've got eight jumps, but just regular ass jumping gets me where I need to go. So why do I bother? Need to know about like I mean I guess there's wall jumps and stuff, and like the like I never triple jumped in that game. I know it's there. But, like, a lot of the areas aren't kind of big enough of a runway to do the, you know, one, two, woohoo, and then the third one's higher. Yeah. Like, I never actually did that. But I, you use that in Mario 64 constantly because it's really useful. So, I don't know. And then the post-game stuff, I'm going to dig into it more at some point, but I was kind of burnt out on the game at that, some, that point. And it's also like, oh, there's just twice as many moons now. Oh, good. And then a lot of them are just laying around them are just out in the open with nothing around them yeah and all the extra ones they just put them on the map so you know exactly where they are yeah. that just it's sounds so, so checklisty. that sounds so lazy you open up this thing and it just puts like 20 moons in the level that weren't there before and then the map opens up and puts x's right where they are oh it's god incredibly weird so some I, of them are so weird because people were like really horny for the post game too like oh it's better than the main game i what? don't understand people thinking the post game is better than the main game yeah i think it's because like so sometimes the moon will just be out in the open which is obviously lame as hell and sometimes there'll be a warp pipe in a whole little sub area which are admittedly better uh, for sure and i think those post game sub areas are the ones that like actually start to show off this game as a platformer because it's not because really they're a little of a harder pl- no it's not really a platformer it's more of just kind of like really- Platformer, yeah. It's kind of like a climb around and explore shit thing. Yeah. That's the part I really dug. I liked, like, exploring all these little dioramas, like, not looking at the map, just finding moons, like, as they came from poking around corners. Like, yeah. my first visits to all the worlds were the most fun because it was just that poke yeah. around exhaustively. Yeah, it has really good pacing on a first playthrough because it's like, just get enough to move on and then go on and don't look back, basically. Like, there's yeah. more moons, but who cares? And then yeah. the post game is weird because the post game starts. I had 204 moons, and it's like, oh, to unlock the first secret world, you have to get up to 250. And I'm like, okay, so I do that, and the first one is lame as fuck, so I won't talk about that. And then it's like, oh, to get the second one, you need 500 moons. Oh, and I'm like, God. I'm like, okay, game, I need to take a break from you right now because <laughs> yeah. that's. That's a bit of an ask. Yeah, that's way too much. I thought that was way too big of a jump. Because you can get up to 999, but apparently you can buy like as many as you want at some point. Yeah. <laughs> if you actually just collect every single one in the game, there's like 880. I explained this to you, and you like didn't believe me. You are like, no, there's 999 <laughs> that you, you can collect. I know this. 
Because you saw the same screen cap of someone that kept God, 999 moons. Well, I knew it stopped at 999. I thought it was yeah. like there were 880, and then you had to buy the rest. I didn't know you could buy like 200, and then there would just be still like 80 left in the world that you haven't gotten. Yeah. <laughs> like that dumb as fuck. <laughs> it's wild. I don't like, understand. They should just cap how many you can buy so that it ends up even if you get everything. Yeah. You should overdo it like that. But whatever. I, I like the post-game in um, 3D World a lot more because it was, it was basically like four more worlds yeah. all full of way harder levels. I'm, that's what I think I wanted out of the post-game and maybe I'll get it if I play a little more is harder yeah. levels. But the problem well, is... <laughs> I hope you have a good time. Oh, Jesus. Because <laughs> the problem is, like, you explore these kind of dioramas that you've been in before, and then you'll find a warp pipe, and, oh, there's a new thing here, and you have a micro little challenge, and you go, that was okay. Mm-hmm. And the other thing, this game feels so kind of designed by committee. All of those will always have two moons in them. There's always the main path, and then they'll be like, if you look over there, the camera, oh, there's a platform up there, and they'll say, like, oh, side path moon. Oh, good. And it's like, it's so predictable in that way. It's like the Korok seeds being on top of all the tallest mountains. Yeah. <laughs> there was one part in New Donk City where it kind of subverted that in a really clever way, where the sub area was a straight line, and you got to the end of that and got a moon and then it went in a warp pipe and went to a different sub area that basically U-turned you so you went mm -hmm. back in the way you came or back out the way you came so then when, when you were in the hallway facing straight on then you saw a different moon that you probably wouldn't have because it was above was it the one with uh, the crowd of people yep yeah I remember that that one stuck out to me for some reason that must have been why yeah that's like the one really good subversion of it where they know you're going to have the camera this way so that mm. they show you the second time you come to that room. And I thought that was really clever. New Dock yeah. City is pretty good in general. Like, I was about to say, that's like the best one, right? It feels like it has the most fun exploring because there's just little kind of incidental things like mm. that you can interact with. And I will say, basically what I'm saying is that that's the most hat-in-time level in the game. <laughs> <laughs> I actually think my favorite might have been the Forest World kind of early on. The one where you can fall in a pit and then just be, like, in the Dark Souls level with the T-Rex around there. Like, the the kind of, like, I think that the saucer is the main boss, but, like, it just has this really cool ambiance to it. Wait, there's a second T-Rex? Yeah, there's more than one T-Rex. Oh, you didn't find it. I didn't find cool. that. Is, is the saucer boss the one you missed on your first playthrough? Yep. Yeah. But I explored the rest of that world really thoroughly. I just didn't get the boss. Huh. I found all found plenty of moons, and I was like, ah, whatever. I thought there was a, a sub-area there, but I never actually fell down. I was like, wow, yeah. there's only one T-Rex in the game. Nope, yeah, it's a really cool... There's a lot of... There's there's one water world, I think, that that I just like really like the atmosphere of it. I like... And again, yeah, the two water worlds are really great. There's the kind of the... Oh, and the beach one. I love the beach one. There's the beach one and the kind of the ocean palace one. Yep, love both of those. Yeah, I loved all. I loved a bunch of the levels just on my first playthrough. Like it's, just it, that is the fun of it is exploring. Yeah. it's weird that they fucked with the pacing with the post game and how they structured I mean, that. Post game is kind of never going to have great pacing, but yeah, I think they yeah. overdid it, which a is bit. a shame because that's all of these games now. Like Nintendo, 
yeah. wants to make every game like this com- this thing that never runs out of content, I guess. Ugh. I think I... Yeah, it's like I would appreciate the post content more if it was just like, here's a room with 50 warp pipes and they all just immediately lead to those little sub areas with the hardest. Yeah, account. that'd be great. Like, or just, just have a... They have the super levels pretty fun. The super levels are all fun and it's like that, so I hope you have a good time with it. Yeah. But again, the, the super level in 3D World took me like three or four hours to beat. It was so good. <laughs> Everything you said made me just be like, please, oh... I wish you. Had, I wish they just re-released 3D World. <laughs> it's it's everything. Every single thing you said, you complained about with Odyssey is that's addressed so in good. 3D World. That's there's so no tutorial. The tutorializing is almost nothing. Um, there's very little text in general. It's just level after level after level. They're good levels, Brent, and post games. <laughs> you can't you can't reference that anymore. He's just in it for the money. <laughs> And then, yeah, it ends with, like, a, a five-minute-long super level that's just impossibly hard. <laughs> and it so it completely pushes it as far... It starts out simple and simple and fun, and then just pushes it as far as it could possibly go. Whereas Odyssey has so much stuff that there's yeah. no way they can push it as far as they can go. You have, like, 15 different... 20 different things you can turn into. They can't explore all that and the super technical moveset. And yeah, they don't. It's, it's so. super weird. And especially since it's barely a platformer to begin with, since it's a diorama explorer. Yeah. Which is fine, but I just kind of never got yeah. that joy of exploring that I got from Zelda for some reason. Yeah, and I replayed uh, Mario 64 and, again, just liked it better because there was less noise. Like, you get that diorama feeling. Like, the, yeah. the one where you change the where you change the height of the, um, the water, and then yeah. there's a secret... If you fire yourself out of a cannon that you have to, like, super jump up to get to... <laughs> into the corner, then you can swim down and there's this whole, like, town. Yeah, I love that part. I love that. Like, that was as high as any high in Odyssey, and they did it without any of the noise, I think. So I don't I like will... Odyssey as much as Super Mario 64. A very controversial opinion, I'm sure. I don't either. Uh, <laughs> I will say, though, the last, like, two hours of Odyssey's main story, when it just turns into Sonic Adventure 2... It's pretty good. It, it's very good. Yeah, it's good. It it gets so it gets anime poly. Oh jeez. They made Mario anime. Mario, yeah. And there's a <laughs> real fun, there's a real 3D funny. Three th- D World does that, and it's really good in that game too. <laughs> I mean, Mario well, maybe kinda, not as much. Mario's definitely been going down that route since Galaxy and yeah. the whole insane ending of that mm-hmm. one. But there's a scene at the end of Odyssey where I thought they were going to redeem Bowser because, like, Mario picks him up and, like, kind of shakes his hand. And then <gasps> they run and make a jump, and Mario just turns and, like, kicks Bowser in the face to propel himself forward. <laughs> and I laughed so hard at that. This is a dick move. It's like, bye, have fun burning to death. <laughs> Because I seriously thought they were going to, like, have him reach out and, like, throw Bowser forward. It's, like, some momentum thing. And, like, oh, they're pals now. It's, like, nope. Nope. Fuck Bowser. He's he's creepy. And he kidnaps girls. Even Bowser's inside story. Like, they're not going to be buddies at the (laughs) end. But Bowser's inside story is the best Bowser ever. Cool. (laughs) Woo! That was a pod. 
That was a yeah, podcast. Was, All right, so was a, a good old three hour. It was one. a good old. We we, we we whacked the three hour mark for the first time in a while. Oh, I missed you all. Yeah, yeah. I like talking to you. So I want to thank everybody for stopping out tonight, whether you were by here for the live show or if you're catching this afterward. Um, and of course, uh, John, where are we where are we going to find you? Farawaytimes.com or farawaytimes.itch.io, really. Yeah, mostly there. Yep. I want to be watching that space pretty soon. Yeah, there's going to be some stuff there, I think. Probably. <laughs> That's what I think. Rhett, where can we find you? I don't know. Polly's bed. There you go. It's damn right. <laughs> damn right. Damn right. <laughs> yeah. What are we doing? We're signing. We're, we're, we're ending Each up other. We're at. Yeah. <laughs> This podcast. Nice. I don't know what that means. I'm podcast told. ends the way it started. Some holes are getting filled. <laughs> God damn it. And remember, we are the podcast that loves you. We are the only ones that love you. Good night. <laughs>